Hey y'all, this is Daniel Kyrie. I play Darren Ritter on Chicago Fire, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. This thing next to you, are you feeling? And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, welcome to episode 272 of Meet Us at Molly's. Uh, yeah, we're continuing our trip through the vault. It's episodes 107 of, you know, Medfire PD, but also there's a giant elephant in the room that we have to address. I, like, I'm so sick of starting these episodes with such sad undertones. It's like, on the one hand, it was like, oh my god, we got one Chicago news, and wait a second, it's not the one we wanted. I feel like every episode we've done this summer has this undertone of just sadness. Yeah, because we're in a very sad place. I mean, yeah, it's great, obviously, the writers got their deal, sag, maybe close, I don't, you know, we don't know at this point, we're recording Thursday night, so like, who knows, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, it's been a sad summer. It just has. And and it got worse this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll probably devote a good chunk of time to this. But the news broke on Wednesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, I'm sorry. Because we were right in the middle of sobbing over the Len Goodman tribute like, on Dancing with the Stars. Like, in the middle. It wasn't even like, oh, we're in the beginning of the episode and that's coming. It was like literally like right after that happened. Like, the light shone on Len's spot on the judges' table, and the news broke. Yeah, pretty much. Tracy Spiridakis is leaving Chicago PD. It is She's leaving. After season 11, she is leaving. This is very similar to the Jesse situation in that we don't know how many episodes she'll be in. But I think it's also just an ambiguous spot because we don't know how many episodes we're getting, period. Like... She could be in theoretically all of season 11, but season 11 may only be 10 episodes. Like, you know, it just, we don't know at this point. Yep. I mean, there's a lot we don't know, period, but like, we definitely don't know that. And we, just like you, know absolutely nothing. Nope. Not a thing. Nope. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's hard. I think, you know, it's, been an interesting two days on the internet that's for sure the internet has been a weird time i think it's just important to take two seconds and remember that sending hate towards actors for their decisions is never okay and attacking other fans for their opinions either is not okay then we'll just leave it at that yeah, I actually, I've been lucky. I haven't seen any of that on Twitter. I haven't Twitter. seen a ton of it, but I know it's out there. And I feel like it's important to just remember that. I Absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, like we just said, we don't know anything. And you know what? This is going to play out just like the Jesse situation where we're not going to know anything. No, no, no. And I think it's also just hard. I think... The fact that it's coming out in a time where we, I think what makes it maybe even a little harder than the Jesse situation, if that can be any harder, is that we don't know. I mean, yeah, we think SAG is close to a deal, but we don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know. I mean, like, we don't know anything. And, like, the shows may not come back till next May. I mean, like, we don't know, you know. It's just, 
it's just such a weird time. And then even given what happened in West Chicago all of last season and everyone leaving, it's just, it's a weird time when Chicago is obviously in a transition. We all know that that's not a secret. And it just adds, this just, this news just adds to the whole weirdness of everything. The uncertainty of it all, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And you add this in with the fact that there are still a couple of other characters whose fates are in the air. We don't know if Mouch is going to live. We don't know if Sylvie's going to stay or go. You don't know what's happening with Severide. We don't know what's happening with Severide. Talk about the other elephant in the room. Like, Yeah, we could still very well lose three characters on Chicago Fire. Yeah. We've already lost Will. Well, think about you already lost. Last season, you literally lost Ethan. I mean, Vanessa, Will. I mean, like, you lost so many people last year. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's unsettling. Like, I don't know. I, like, I did some, like, inner reflecting this week because every time, I, I mean... Every time a character leaves the show, especially now as we're over a decade into this, yeah. I get scared because I worry that the shows, with every character exit, the shows are becoming less and less recognizable. Does that make sense? No, for sure. Because So something I had in the outline is obviously there's a lot of talk on social media about like whether or not these should be the last seasons for the shows, because I think a lot of people are kind of in that same feeling of these are feeling less and less like the shows I love and that I know, and that were comforting to me for so many years. So, and, and a lot of fans opinions, they're not good anymore. So if they're not good anymore, then why obviously keep them going? I don't, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they make too much money for the show. Like, they can run for another 20 years and, like, they're going to be fine. Like, I don't see them. Unless Dick Wolf says, no, we're done, I don't see them going anywhere, personally. I agree. I don't think they're going anywhere. I do understand your feeling, and I definitely feel that way, too. I think transitions in any stage of life, whether that's, personally obviously in this case we're feeling it with one Chicago but whatever transitions are really scary and unsettling and I get that because I feel it too it's like I especially now looking at PD like looking at the shell of what it's become and how many people are left it's just like what where are they gonna go like what is actually gonna happen to that show like I know there's a lot of rumors about what's gonna happen to Torres and I'm not gonna talk about that because those are literally just rumors based off social media at this point but so assuming tour even if tours is gone you've got literally Voight and Berzik water left mm-hmm. like you can't I mean as much as I love Berzik water and like Voight is whatever but like you can't have a show just based on Berzik water and Voight like no. that is not a show no and then if that's the case too like Obviously, I, I, one of the things I've been curious about with this whole thing and all the shows coming back, assuming that SAG gets a deal, is what is the casting process going to look like? Like, when shows need to bring in new characters, because obviously, even if they get 10 episodes, they're not going to not introduce a single new character. So, like, what is the casting process going to look like for any exactly. you know, new character? It's going to feel weird. And I don't know. I just, 
I'm definitely worried about the shows. I mean, it's a transition and like, you know, it's hard, but I mean, I think they will, they're going to be different. And if you're not enjoying it, then I definitely, I've always had this opinion of like, if you're not enjoying it, don't watch it just to keep watching it. Like it's doing a disservice, I think to yourself. Cause like, why do you want to waste time on something you're not enjoying if you don't have to watch it? And like, also to the people like hate watching and like then tweeting it out to the artists who created it is not fun either and not a nice idea either so like if you're not enjoying it don't keep watching it but i think they're gonna survive i just think i mean svu's been on however many seasons now yeah i i agree i do you ever do you feel almost in a way like do you ever feel like we're getting pushed out in a way that like we're the old generation and now we're getting pushed out in favor of the new generation not specifically i mean i felt that way in general in terms of transition but i don't necessarily feel that in this case i just feel like the definitely the older generation though is dying i don't feel like it i mean i guess in that case if you want to say they're getting pushed out then yeah because i feel like the older generation is dying and i feel like even a lot of our friends and even some of our patrons are like i don't know if i want to keep watching it which i totally respect that and that's totally fine But it's like, yeah, okay, if those people are gone, then, like, obviously there is going to be some kind of new crop, but, like, what's that going to look like? Right. Right. I'll tell you what I'm afraid of is, with and with every cast exit, this just gets amplified, especially on PD, where the cast is smaller. PD is the smallest cast of the three. Yes. So losses are felt a lot more on PD. Yes. I am afraid of the day that, I realize it's time to move on from the shows. I'm afraid of that day happening before I'm ready for it to do. You mean that like something's going to happen on the show and you're like, I literally can't take this to me more, but like emotionally you're not there yet. Yeah. Like if something were to happen on the shows tomorrow where I'm like, I can't do this anymore, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready to leave it. We've got, you know, I'm not ready to do that. This is, this is happening before I'm ready to move on. Honestly, I kind of thought you were going to get to that point last year with PD. And that's why I've struggled with it so much is because that's why I've struggled with Jesse's exit so much is because I, yeah, I was, that got me really close to that point, but I I knew I wasn't going to stop. I think the thing that hurts PD the most as well is that nobody really seems to be a fan of the way the stories are structured. Like, the way they're telling the stories. At least with Fire and Med, like, yeah, the characters are changing and people's storylines or whatever, but, like, there's still something familiar about the structure. Like, Fire is still always going to have, like, the calls and the serious, but still at least a comedy storyline. And Med is obviously, it's a bunch of calls, you know, it's a bunch of cases or whatever. Like, there's still, but, like, nobody likes the way PD's structured, really. It's dry. Because- it's dry and what people want is character and be and when they do 98% of the episode being case and 2% character then like why are we watching it so I feel like where PD is really gonna hurt is if you keep taking away the characters that we love and not giving us more of the characters that are still there that we love then you know right like I don't know I feel like PD I worry about because people just don't like the way it's being written not the actual stories they're telling but the way that they are the episodes are actually structured there were fantastic cases this last season but 
Yeah, I and mean, some great character. I mean, obviously, we got Berzik back. I mean, the stuff with Kevin and Lou. I mean, like, there was all the tourist stuff we got. Like, there was some really good stuff in there. But then when it's like, you get all the case stuff, and it's like, okay, yeah, the stuff that we got was great, but it's like, I want more of that and less of the case. And I feel it so much more now that we're doing this rewatch and, like, I see the way that they can be balanced in and, like, the character stuff can be woven so seamlessly into the case. And I'm like... Yeah. Like, just give it back to me. Yeah, it's it's weird. And I've found myself since Tuesday being oddly at peace with it while also very, like conflicted and kind of upset about it. it it's it's been a weird 50 50 with jesse i was a thousand percent just completely upset about it not at peace in any way shape or form i'm probably still not at peace with it but this one i'm kind of 50 50 I, I so i have like two or three things off of that one i definitely when it first dropped i was kind of like what the fuck like i kind of didn't see it coming and then the more i thought about it i was like okay i can kind of see why and like i kind of made he said it like you said. Uh, I think the other reason for me personally, Jesse heard a lot more is like Jesse was an OG mm-hmm. and like there from the beginning, he helped spin off PD. You know, he got introduced onto fire and, you know, all like, and Jesse was our favorite. Like, let's be real. Like, Jay Hall said was like our dude. Like, we love Jay. And not that I don't love Tracy, not that I don't love Upton. But, you know, she is someone who came in in the middle. She hasn't been around as long. And so I think Jesse's just hurt because it was like, I never thought Jesse was going to leave because I thought he would one day, you know, that Jay was going to take over the unit eventually. Like, I thought Jay was going to be there forever. But since Jesse left, yeah, maybe it was in my mind somewhere in the way back that, like, Tracy may leave at some point, that she would maybe be the next to go. So I think I'm less surprised now that I've like had a moment to sit with it because it's like in the back of my mind is like, oh yeah, I can kind of see that coming. Jay, I did Jesse, I did not see coming. If that makes Honestly, sense. Tracy being the next to leave never crossed my mind. Really? I've always ever since I mean, since Jesse, I've I've been afraid for Berzik Water. I'm like, please don't go anywhere. Please give us like the stability. Please don't leave just yet. The only you know, reason I think never crossed, crossed my mind. The only reason I think it ever crossed my mind is like, and this is kind of, I guess, something we could get into is like, what the fuck are they, were they going to do with Upton? I mean, they kind of took it last year. It's like, okay, yeah, they're getting, you know, they're separated. She took the ring off, you know, all that stuff. But it's like, where else were they going to go? Like, what trauma filled corner were they going to send her into next? That is a great question, but also a hallmark of, in my opinion, lousy writing. Now, I say that with zero writing experience i don't work in that industry but at the same time if you have written a character into such a hole that that character is only identifiable by their attachment to another character in my opinion you have failed no i i definitely agree with that but it's just but it is still like yes i think they failed in that regard but then the answer still remains of what do you do with her Right. I thought for a while, and I think I mentioned this on the pod a couple weeks ago, my prediction was going to be that they time jumped and Haley would be divorced. And then from there, it would just be her on her own kind of figuring out other things. But I guess that's not the case. No. 
And we don't know why Tracy's leaving. We'll never know. We're going to, that's her business. We're not going to speculate. Well, and she can't even make a comment. She can't say a thing. Nope. She literally cannot say a single word right now. No, one and of our listeners brought that up. Said a word anyway, because she's not really one to post on like social, you know, like I don't know if she really would have said a word anyway until like a postmortem happened. Like I don't think she would have said anything anyway, but even if she wanted to, she can't. Because of the she strike. can't. Nope. Nope. So so we don't know if this was her decision, but I agree with you in terms of, you know, what were they going to do with her? They could I only. I like it was her decision. I, I mean, I hope it was. And I, I, I hope it was. And if it wasn't, then that's also a hallmark of lousy writing. Because I'm sorry, you can't, like, you have this character who separated from her husband and you literally cannot think of anything else to do with her. Independent of her marriage. Really? Yeah. that's that's not a good sign but that's if that's the case we don't know if that's the case yeah we can't speculate on anything but no i mean i think there is a teeny bit of a silver lining here and that being that there is only one acceptable exit for Haley upton one yeah anything else will be an absolute failure no either Bring Jesse back for an episode, have her leave with him to go to Bolivia, have her show up on his doorstep or something. But an Upstead reunion is the only acceptable exit. Yeah, no, for sure. Do you think, though, if they give us the Upstead reunion, and we can obviously talk more about it when the shows come back, and if that were to have, you know, whatever, we could talk more about it closer to that moment. But I guess I'm curious, it's like, if, if they do go with whether she goes to Bolivia, he comes back, whatever the situation is that reunites them. Do you think, though, that she should forgive him and that, like, like, if that happens, I mean, yes, I think I'll be happy because, like, you know, they got a happy ending and whatever. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, Jay was such a piece of shit last season, too. I'm like, do I actually want her with him? Like, uh, I mean, and the answer is yes, obviously. Like, I want them to have the happy ending. Like, in my mind, like, I want to just forget season 10 happened. Like, Jay still went to Bolivia, but, like, it was on happy turn. Like, in my mind, I kind of just want to block out that part of season 10. But, like, it's also hard to forget that Jay was a real piece of shit last season. And, you know, Haley yeah. finally said, fuck you, I had enough. And, yeah. yeah that's an interesting question. I mean... I don't want her to just, like, blindly forgive him and, like, chase him down to Bolivia and just be like, I love you, I'm going to be with you. Girl, he left you. But I feel like the thing is, is, like, if you say, say season 11 is 10 episodes, right? And even if mm-hmm. Tracy is in all 10, say we get 10 episodes and she is in all 10, I feel like they're going to be in such a time crunch anyway, because, given the fact that it's going to be a shorter season, that I feel like if we get an upstairs reunion, that's kind of what it's going to be. Because I guess I have a hard time believing Jesse would come back for anything more than one episode. Maybe he would. Maybe he'd come back for two or three to give, you know, her a proper exit. But, like, I don't know. I feel like just because it's already a, like, ten-episode season, presumably. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I feel like it is going to be one of those things that kind of is like, okay, yeah, like, I'm going to go back to Bolivia and let's see if I can get Jay back. You know, like, I feel like it's going to be one of those situations. Ideally, what this looks like is 
Jay coming back to Chicago, basically just saying, you know, I left you. I'm so sorry. You are the love of my life. Come to Bolivia with me or come wherever I'm going next. Yeah. That is ideally what this looks like. It's got to be. It's got to be. Anything less than that will be absolute disappointment and an injustice to Upstead as a, as a couple. I agree. And I think, although on some level, even if she is the one that leaves first to go wherever he is, I think I'll still be happy because, again, I know that Upstead will get, like, a happy ending. I'll just be bitter about it because it's not – that's Haley going first when it really should be Jay coming back to her and being like, I fucked up. I'm sorry. I'm definitely always going to be bitter about season 10. Yeah. But if Upstead gets a happy ending, I will be like regardless first, I will I'll be I'll be more at peace with it. I'll be more okay with it. Cuz it'll get it'll it'll give Jay a little bit of redemption and it'll be closure for Haley. Yeah, for sure. And therefore con- if one or both of them were to come back, I wouldn't absolutely despise Jay's guts. Yeah. It's kind of in some way, I mean, granted, we still have a long way to go to see how both these stories kind of end up playing out, but it's kind of, I'm starting to see a parallels a little bit to what happened when Jesse Spencer left. And like, obviously Mm -hmm. now with like Casey coming back to potentially write Brett out, like, you know, it's kind of a weird situation that like, oh yeah, like we were all really upset when Jesse Spencer left and like Casey's ending, Casey leaving was that was probably one of the best times they've done a character exit. Like it made sense to that character. But still, and then, like, now that Brett may want to leave, it's like, but it kind of fucked up Brett's and it's like, now that Kira may or may not be leaving, we don't know. We're just like, we don't know. But it's like, oh, they brought Jesse Spencer back, because, like, that's the only way to really redeem this female character that you ended up not really doing anything else, but else with, because she was so tied to a man, and it's like, so, I don't know. I'm just starting to see some parallels there. Yeah, big time. I mean, obviously, I get it. depending on how both those end up, we don't know how they're going to end up, but. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So it's it's weird because it, it is bittersweet. I'm scared that the shows are becoming less and less recognizable, but at the same time, I am kind of okay with it. I'm just like, I understand this. In some ways, though, and I don't know if you ever feel like that, because like, I want them to still be comfortable. Like, I still want it to be with characters that I love. But at the same time, too, in some times, I feel like just leaning into completely new things and sometimes is honestly even better. Like, I kind of feel I think about it a lot when I think about Elite Season 4, because like they had characters that we loved and then they brought in new and they were trying to do a mesh. And in reality, I wish they had just left the characters as much as I love those characters from, you know, the first three seasons i wish they had just left them behind and like started new because i think i would have enjoyed that better like started completely fresh with nobody we knew sorry my apple watch is like (laughs) not listening to me um yeah i mean i I don't know if i want that for fire but but sometimes i think about it sometimes i'm like maybe that and you know i don't know how well that would work i think it works maybe better on a streaming kind of thing than a network but I don't know it's it's been in the back of my mind that sometimes I wonder if a transition if it's not better to just like jump new 
clean break. See, and I don't necessarily agree with that strategy. That's not necessarily how I roll. And I, I've mentioned this show before, but I think Grey's Anatomy, part of their longevity has been their ability to weave new characters in. Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't think it works all the time. And I don't know if that's right. the right answer all the time, but it has been something that's floating in the back of my mind. And I will just... Yeah, I... that look like? And I guess more of in like a... If they were to take that approach, like, what would it look like? And I think yeah. I know the easy answer for fire would be to, like, do a new generation and, like, or do a fire academy. You know, like, I feel like there's a very obvious way fire could do it. Right. PD and Med, I don't know how they would do it, but. No, and it's it's tough. And I, I, feel, I feel like PD could have pulled that off with Torres, brought him in. Mm-hmm. Let us get to know him, even though he's still, you know, he's still interacting with the new, like the old characters so that, you know, we end up caring about him and then gradually transitioned it. It's just the transition of bringing him in and Jay coming out happened too quickly in order for that to happen. Well, and then they gave tours like barely any episodes and it was like, and then he was gone half the season because of, you know, whatever. He was like, oh yeah, tours is undercover with it. I'm like, what? Like, what the huh? And even with Rojas, it was easy to get to know her and fall in love with her as a character and like really like care about her because we had that stability going on. We just we still had our favorites. But at the same time, they were like, okay, well, while you're focusing on them, also expand your brain a little bit and focus on this one new character. And Fire Fire does that. Fire does a very good job of that. But obviously, I mean, I think I think we're still we're still a little scarred from last season of, okay, well, Torres sure. is here and Jay is gone, so get used to it. For sure. And, I mean, Med has done an okay job. They're getting better at it, obviously. I think they tried it with Dylan and Stevie, and for whatever reason, that did not end up happening. As much as we love them, that did not end up happening. They did a great job with bringing Hannah back, and then, obviously, yeah. it took a hot second for Archer to have his, like, full 180 character development but he got there so I mean I think Med does an okay job it's just like I said I don't know it's just been a thought that's in the back of my mind of like we're going through a transition period like what makes the most sense and how can the shows get through it like not that I want all my characters to leave because I don't but I was re-watching and part of the reason I think Elite specifically was on my brain was because I was up one night and I couldn't sleep and I started re-watching parts of like seasons one through three and then I was like fuck I hate season four and I hate that they did that and I wish they had just gone like full clean break so I think it that's like on my mind too but I don't know it's just been in the back of my mind my other fear is that the longer the strike goes on the more original characters are gonna say you know what I want out so that when the shows do come back it you is think so I worry about it. It doesn't I necessarily think I, mean it's going to happen. Think it's the opposite. You think it's going to make think, them stay? I think I don't know about make them stay, but I think people want to work. People want jobs. I think people realize, and I don't know. I don't want to speak for the actors because, like, I don't know anything. Like, I don't know actually anything. But I feel like from what the vibe I get, just from reading about the strike and reading from actors' perspectives, is like the people that are on long running series, like fire med pd i think actors realize how lucky they are to have jobs like that that are there is a consistency there is a pretty regular schedule given all you know given all things you know that you're filming basically from like july to end of april you get a little bit of a break like it's consistent work 
And I think people seem to be, you know, grateful for that. And I think the more, the longer that people are out of work, the more they're going to want that. And especially with a consistent, stable job. I hope so. I mean, it's just a worry in the back of my and mind. I don't, I don't know, though, that the people who were already kind of on the bubble, like Taylor, Kara, you know, people who were already, made, we didn't know last year, you know, at the end of last season, whether they were going to leave a lot. I don't know if it would be enough to make them stay because they were already on the bubble anyway. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if people are not on the bubble, I think it's going to, I hope, make them realize, you know, that no this is a great job and if they want you know that they want to stay but I don't know and I I, and I hope that's where Patty and and LaRoyce are at obviously we don't know we don't know we can just speculate but I hope that's where they're at you know I I I don't like to see anybody leave ever but you know I think it helps that they gave them Berzik back last year (laughs) and like actual stuff but yeah yeah or just spin off PD into like the Berzik Water and Mac show. Make it like a sitcom where it's like <laughs> Berzik raising Mac and then like Atwater comes in as like, you know, the quirky uncle who lives next door. Yeah. Yeah. That. Give me that. Give me that. Yeah. Please. I'm good with that. That's Please. funny. I would that watch a hundred plus episodes of that for sure. The consensus on Twitter has been really interesting. Like I said, I haven't seen much hate. Uh, I've seen a lot of a lot of people are relieved for 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 both Tracy and Haley. Yeah. No, I've seen a lot of that. Like I said, I haven't seen as much of it. I know it's out there, though. And mm-hmm. I know, I mean, I I know that the PD fandom, the Upset fans specifically, are a very passionate fan base. Yeah. And, yeah, I've definitely seen, what I've personally seen, I've seen people being excited. Not excited, because that's a weird word, but relieved um understanding of Tracy wanting to move on or you know for whatever reason but um yeah yeah I mean I was not going to be down for another season of like her repeatedly being kidnapped and like you know beaten up and everything like that so I'm you know I'm okay with that me personally in my opinion it would have hurt me more if one of the Berzik waters had left so this one, I'm like, it hurts, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, I hate to say that, but I also agree. I I do. I think Berzik water leaving would have hurt me more. Well, and it, it's not that I'm not sad about Tracy leaving because I'm yeah. am, but like, and I think a lot of it for me has to do with like Berzik water has been here since episode one, and that's a long time, and you know. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm more personally attached to them than I am to Tracy, but I am still very sad about Tracy leaving. And and same, but I mean, I swear my attachment to Berzik Water is like marginally more than Tracy. I mean, don't I'm you know I'm I'm sad about Tracy too. This is not a thing like f Haley. I cried about Haley on the pod once. Like, don't come for me. Come on. But yeah, it would it would have been more of a dagger if it was Berzik water, because then it just would have been a further sign of the times that like, Hey, we're 10 years removed from that innocence of the early seasons and you can never have it back. Yeah, for sure. I think on any show, not that 
new char- newer characters don't matter because obviously they do. But I yeah. think anytime you still have an OG character around and they decide to leave, whether they it's their choice or not or whatever, like that's just always going to hurt worse. Oh, yeah. It just is. 100%. Well, and plus with these original characters, when, the, when the, the, like PD turns 10 next year in 2024, we've... You know, you yeah. at a certain point you feel like you've grown up besides these characters. Mm-hmm. That's why One Tree Hill will always be part of my life is because I grew up with it from high school to adulthood. Yeah, that's I mean, that's what Glee is for me. I mean, Glee started when I was in ninth grade. Exactly. And, you know, it's a school that it's a show about high school. Like, yeah, like it literally got me through high school. Yeah. Yeah, so Brooke and Peyton were way more than just characters to me. You know, they were kind of reference points, if you will. Yeah. For certain points in life. And it kind of feels the same with the OGs on some of this show because, you know, we're the characters are roughly the same age as we are, give or take. And so, you know, I kind of went through my 20s alongside Jay and Aaron. And the newer kids for me. But yeah, I get that. Yeah. Like like for you, it's like alongside Gallo and Violet, right? Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So it hurts when these characters that you spent the last 10 years with yeah. move on to something else. Yeah. And especially because even like on fire and I'm thinking about like Severide potentially being gone. Like I think, especially as we're watching these episodes, like I'm thinking about watching, even though I don't feel like I grew up alongside Severide just because different ages, whatever. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like I watched Severide grow up. Like if I look at where we're at with Severide now versus like where we're at with Severide, you know, in season 11 I'm like holy shit like look at how much he's grown up and I'm like well dang yeah so. we got through the cycle of Severide we deserve a trophy for that we did we yeah. beat, not only got through it we beat the cycle of Severide yeah yeah that's pretty big mm-hmm. pretty big so um we got some emails from you guys, which like we wanted to. I mean, guys, it's been it's so weird with the strikes because the actors can't talk about their projects. So we kind of feel like we can't talk about their projects. And we're all just kind of like, it's weird. It's so weird. It's I'm really, like, really, really weird. hoping that the news has been OK this week out of SAG. So like I'm like, just just like, let's I don't it. think we got an update as of what happened today. But no, usually it comes. I want to say like later tonight. Later. Yeah, yeah. So um, the AMPTP and SAG have returned to the table this week. And then today, Thursday, they were supposed to sit down, or, like, t- like across the table with the execs. Yeah. But we don't know how that went today. So hopefully it, um, hopefully that update will come forward while we're recording, because that would be great. Yeah. But what will probably happen is it'll break after. Yeah, it's like, we will stop, and then five minutes later, it will hit. Yeah. So, um. And it was, a, it was kind of a frustrating week because especially, I don't know about if you feel the same way, but like sometimes the one Chicago feels are just so big, but like you can't talk about it because you've got to save it for the pod. And yeah. so it was so hard this week because I was just like reasoning through how I felt. And I'm like, and I can't talk about this to anybody because I have to wait until the pod. But, like, we, we could have texted, but yeah, I definitely do sometimes feel like I'm like, if I want to get out everything, then I need to save it for the pod. Yeah. So it's been tough. So, you know, we definitely were like, hey, guys, don't forget that, like, if you're feeling a certain way, send us an email. Don't forget, like, we're here. You can talk to us anytime. We are not under SAG rules. We can talk about projects. So, yeah, 
Yeah, uh, we got an email from Devonay, and Devonay said, I'm sad that Tracy's leaving, as we are all sad when any character or actor that's been around long enough for us to get attached to. At the same time, I'm happy and excited to see what her future holds. At this point, we can only cross our fingers that we get at least a portion of the season to give her a proper character exit that feels true to character. We don't know if we're going to get a season. We don't know if that season's going to be 10 episodes, 5 episodes. We don't know. Nope. Um, Brooke said, I hate that the news on Tracy was released now. Obviously, I'm not questioning it because of how many sources are posting about it, but I can't even, but she can't even comment on it because of the strike. I hate that. Yeah. And we know it's legit because it came from friend of the pod, Emily Longaretta. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. But like, I also don't know if she would have commented, period. No, she like, I still really have. think that she probably wouldn't have said anything until she was like forced to do an interview about it for a postmortem, like on her last Which- episode. By the way, not at Emily, but at like the outlets in general, the news outlets, we need to establish a designated window of time solely dedicated to one Chicago news. Okay. We got to pick a weeknight and like maybe a window of time. And that is the only window of time in which like us weekly deadline, the trades, everybody can drop one Chicago news. Okay. Because we were in our fields at that time and not our one Chicago fields. We were in our dancing with the stars fields. And so yeah. the sadness went from like it went from one type of sadness to a different type of sadness and it didn't feel good. No. It didn't feel good. It really sucked actually. It 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 really sucked. We need to talk with like we just all the outlets need to get together and decide on a time window and we need to designate a window and that's the only time when Chicago news can drop. Deal? Deal. 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 Preferably not when dancing with the stars is on. Anytime other than Tuesday nights from 8 p.m. Eastern to 10 p.m. Eastern. Well, wait, not necessarily. Because remember the night that Colin and John Seda and them left, the night that that broke, I remember I was at college gymnastics and I was like, rude. I don't want to process this right now. Yeah. Like, what? what's like a nothing day when we're like, well... Maybe Monday. Like, I don't know. But then the Jesse news broke on a Monday and that hurt And too. that ruined your week. It did fuck up my week. Can you only say that Wednesdays during One Chicago? Because then, like, what time One Chicago would air? Because you're already dedicating that time to One Chicago. So, like, maximum maximize that time. But only after PD. Not after any of the other shows. Because we got to focus on the next show. True. True. So, Wednesdays from 10 p.m. No, 11 p.m. Eastern to midnight. That's even, that's too much. That's, there's too much potential to get our hearts broken there. I also don't want to stay up that late. <laughs> well, that's smart then. Cause then you'll go to bed and just see it the next morning. Yeah, no, but then that sucks. Cause then I spend all day with that. No, that's true too. But let's make it a window. Let's give you like a 15 minute window. Let's give all the outlets a 15 minute window where they just get to trauma dump and like hit us with all the news from the week on one Chicago. And then that's it. No more. No more. No more. Yeah. I like that. I like that theory. Yeah. Because then I did not give a shit about the rest of Dancing with the Stars after that. Yeah, I was trying. You were like texting. You were like, fuck this news. And I'm like, Gina, I'm like, I'm trying to focus. Like, I'm trying to focus here. I Well, no, I legit texted you. Well, I mean, we're going to have a Dancing with the Stars update in a little bit, but whatever. It's our podcast. We do what we want. Oh, hold on a second. So <laughs> I went to go click on the link for our next deadline article. Speaking of what we're going to talk about. And there is a SAG update on Deadline. Ooh, is it a good update? 
So apparently said SAG actress chief negotiator Duncan Crabtree Ireland said it on the picket lines earlier Thursday. Now it seems that cautious optimism, as an insider also characterized it today, has become the takeaway term, blah, blah, blah. Apparently they're supposed to meet again tomorrow after negotiations today ended almost after five hours. Okay. So. Five hours is good. And they're meeting tomorrow. Cautious optimism. So. I mean, in all fairness, we had cautious optimism last time. Yeah, but. But. We'll see. We'll see. So, that is your update. Anyway. Didn't mean to interrupt the other part, but. No, no, that's breaking news. So. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I'm sorry. Oh, we were talking about. I was like, what were we talking about? Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, I. I did Jason Mraz dance on on Tuesday because like I didn't see it. I was too busy <laughs> reeling from the one Chicago news. Yeah, yeah. Side eye at Variety. Variety, not Emily. We love Emily. Rude. Rude. Yeah. Uh, Lexi also sent us an email, and Lexi said, "With Jesse having left last season, it was inevitable that Tracy was bound to go next. I just didn't imagine it being so soon. It never crossed my mind. Just never. No." She said, "I don't know if it's just seeing seeing things with rose-colored glasses slash glass half full positivity in me that's come out in full force, or the swimming and denial side of me that's typing this out. But I really hope things end on a good note for Tracy and Haley because in the end, it's what she deserves." I'm really hoping in her last episode, whenever that may be, that Haley and Jay reconcile and Upstead gets the happily ever after that not only we want for them, but the happy ending after, happy ending that they deserve. The worst thing that Gwen in the show... No, I'm not even going to read that line. I'm not putting that into the atmosphere. No. I've seen people, some people put it out there as like they don't want that to happen. And I'm like, I, no, no. 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 We're not putting that into the universe. There's that one way... That would be, honestly, if they did that, I know we said that about Jay too, but like, if they went the thou shall not be said route we're not gonna even say it but if they go that route that would maybe i'd be like i don't know if i keep watching this we're not even gonna no we're just no we're not even exploring it and we'll leave it at that and we will leave it at that there is one way for Haley upton to exit that show and it is with jay halstead yeah and then they're gonna go conquer the world wherever they go yeah my god (laughs) Next piece of news we've got is a little bit more optimistic. And this is a, this is a One Chicago alum mm-hmm. news. So, Bryna, please take it away. Make a smile, yes. please. So, Deadline dropped an article the other day, uh, last week, whenever. Brian T. is producing an anthology limited series. Um, and season one is set to adapt a historical novel, Iva, the True Story of Tokyo Rose. Get um, it, Brian. It says it will tell the story of Iva... Toguri, I probably am saying that wrong, um, who was wrongfully convicted of treason and sent to prison for being the infamous radio propagandist Tokyo Rose during World War II. Sounds really good. Brian's getting into all sorts of cool projects. And it's apparently, where did I just see that? It's apparently currently being shopped around to streamers and premium cablers. Very cool. So, yeah, because this one with Nicole Kidman airs, I suppose it's that like premiere in early 2024, right? Yeah, I think like January. I need it. I need it too. I I need new content. I know. I'm like behind Desperately. on. Like I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't get to upload yet. It's still not finished with Outer Banks. I'm getting there, but like still not finished with it. 
Um, yeah, I'm like behind still. I still haven't touched upload. I need to touch the new episode of Sullivan's Crossing because last week ended on like a crazy cliffhanger. I forgot about that. I need to you gotta that. start it. Episode three ended, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's good. I got like five episodes of Outer Banks left, so okay. I'm not gonna catch up to you by the time you finish it. No, but you need to catch up. No, but I will uh, eventually. There's another season two that just uh, Loki. Yeah, I'm not even haven't touched that yet. Yeah, I gotta get back to that. I keep seeing tweets with like Miss Minutes in them, and I love Miss Minutes. She's hilarious. I gotta get back to that. And then there was something else with the season two that just came out that I can't think of. I don't know. I don't know. I'd be able to focus on it if one Chicago news wasn't dropping all the time. Yeah, I know. This is why we need a window. Anyway. So yeah, that's that's about it on in terms of the one Chicago news. Hopefully the next time we have one Chicago news, it's happy. For yeah, fuck's sake. And just like end the SAG strike so we can start to get happy on Chicago news. Please? Like a return date. A return date. Pictures of them on set. Like just like the actor strike needs to end so that we can start getting these things again. Like what I wouldn't give right now for like an episode description and some promo pics. You mean as terrible as the episode descriptions are? Like the PD ones? Yeah, I don't care. Boy <laughs> takes down a gang. I'll take it. I don't care. I'll take <laughs> it. I don't care. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. I'll take it. Give it to me. Look at this promo photo of Ruzik just standing there. It's amazing. Yeah. That's all I want. Oh, you mean a building's on fire? Okay. <laughs> I never thought I'd be happy to see this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Who knew that COVID was just like a warm-up period for this? What? <laughs> well, you know, it's crazy. At this time of COVID, though, like, we were, like, two weeks away from, like, premieres. They premiered, yeah. like, November, I'm going to say, like, 10th or something. We had about seven months off during COVID, and we're, like, we're coming up on that, and we're going to surpass it. So that's what I'm saying is that, you know, because they did those two episodes in November, and then they came back in January. Yep. So it was like mid-November. So we'd be like two weeks away at this point. We'd be prepping once again for premieres. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? I wonder if I still have video footage from the COVID episode so I can cut those two clips together and us be like, this is so weird. And then I should just be like, oh, imagine that. <laughs> Probably. Oh my goodness. So weird. Well, you have all the episodes saved. Do you just have audio or do you have video too? Uh, I have audio because you most of the time just send me audio. Yeah. And in the early days, we did mostly just audio. Yeah. The early days. Back when we actually had new episodes. Yeah. I miss it so much. I <laughs> feel like, what would, what would Chicago Wednesday feel like? I But actually, though, when we start that back, I'm going to be like, how do I live tweet? Like, what is happening? Like, you remember when we used to do interviews? Yeah. Those were fun. I miss those days. Man. Uh, it's so sad. <laughs> you know what's not sad, though? Well, kind of sad, but not sad at the same time as Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> kind of sad this week, especially. But it's okay. We need the shows to come back so I don't have to make any more bad segues like that, okay? <sighs> yeah. This was kind of a... I mean, it was like... It was exactly what we expected. It was going to be very emotional and sad. It was I mean, most memorable year. year is always emotional and sad. Always, always. Um, 
it, the 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 end result of it all in terms of who got voted off was a question mark to me. I'm still a little puzzled by that. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. We got the first 10 of the season. We got two 10s. We did get two 10s. Technically, Charity yeah. got the first 10 of the season because she danced first. Technically, Charity got the first 10, but Soji also, Soji and Val also got a 10. Soji and Val also got a 10. Both were, bo- both were well-deserved. Very well-deserved. Charity's dance was bananas, and they started on that, like, bar contraption thing, and, like, she was doing It took me a second. I was like, what's happening? And then I was like, oh, I got it. I got that it. was badass. It was very good. That very was fun. really badass. I thought it was really sweet that Mira got to dance with her daughter. It was very, and, like, obviously, it is weird, though, I will say, because obviously that was a tribute to Romy and Michelle, but, yeah. like, she can't say that. Nope. And, like, even Sochi was like, 2021 and she's like i got cast in a movie and it's like you literally can't even say like what she got it's i thought that was weird it's been the most noticeable to me that it's ever been for them not being able to talk about their projects i that is one thing that i will be very happy to see go when the strikes end yeah yeah it also kills me a little bit that these there's some big movies coming out at the end of the year that cannot be promoted at all well, we don't know that. Well, I mean, no, we don't know that. But there's a big one that just came down. Because, of course, I'm thinking, like, when, when certain movies come out, I'm like, Sinkies, bookmark that. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon just came out, which I would not have had any idea about had I not seen people tweeting about it. That's a big one with Leonardo DiCaprio that, you yeah. know, we're, we're going to have to see because it's going to come up. I've not made a dent in that list either. I, like, have a list of, like, other movies I wanted to see. Not even, like, Sinkies level movies. I'm talking about, like the mario movie like stuff that i actually want to watch and i think i've watched one movie on it yeah <laughs> like, I, I did get out and see the barbie movie i've, I've seen barbenheimer both of those i've and not seen oppenheimer i otherwise we've completely failed i've seen guardians of the galaxy that's about it and i barbie. haven't even gotten around to that one and barbie i made lauren spoil guardians for me because i was like i can't handle another character death yeah barbie i've watched good. like you five times it. i love barbie yeah, yeah, I, I will. I, I think I started it and then just like never finished it. But but um, anyway, anyhow, we digress. So yes, charity first ten of the season, well deserved, awesome routine, great. Allison's dance also had a nod to a previous project. I thought that was a very well incorporated, like very subtle nod, uh, with the yellow umbrella, which is a nod to How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. So I thought that was good. Um, that dance was so like, oh my god, she and her husband are so cute they're very cute her dance was okay though it was okay i thought she was gonna go home this week yeah yeah but no but no um i i felt very bad for sasha during allison's whole entire package because allison's whole package start to finish like with the dance and everything too was like love marriage we've been together for 20 years isn't that amazing like we made it we're gonna be together forever and poor sasha's in the corner just like that's great i'm dying on the inside we don't know that but yeah for i guess we could assume i don't we don't know that no we don't know that but i felt so bad for him it is just interesting and then obviously given all the other i won't go into it because that's just gossip at this point but all the other messiness with some his ex why i don't know the whole there's a lot of drama going down 
there's so much drama going down. I felt so bad for Sasha. I was like, oh, this poor guy, like just getting her perfect marriage, like rubbed in his face. I felt so bad for him. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Um, our other favorite couple, Harry and Riley, they had a close call. They they, they did not have a good week. No, this was not good. I'm like, I usually like I I'm usually even when he's not been great, I'm like, okay, but Riley Slade and her choreography was great, even if Harry wasn't that great. I didn't like this just seemed like I thought this was Riley's worst stance. Not that she was bad, but it was just like, okay, lift. Like, it was just like every single second was a lift. And I was like, this is way too many lifts. Yeah. I don't don't think that's not really a contempt. I don't know. It didn't feel. No, I think, I think Riley, I think Riley made a mistake in how she choreographed it because, like you said, it was just basically, it was basically just Riley dancing around him and then Harry just waiting for her to come to him and then just like picking her up and putting her in another place and I think that was a lot of people's critiques about it, him in the beginning like the first week or two when he had like all the latin dances it was like well harry's barely moving and i'm like yeah that's kind of true but like the last two weeks obviously he's had to because of ballroom and just the style of dances and so he's had to move and i thought he did really well i mean he's not like top four level but like you know good for him mm-hmm. you know and this week I just felt like it was a big regression back and as much as I love them and I love their friendship whatever the fuck they are and whatever you want to call it I I mean I don't think they're going anywhere next week because I think Allison will probably go before him Mm -hmm. but I think dancing wise I think he's gotta it's his time He's getting close, but I still think Allison and Barry should be going before him. Yeah, I mean, and Mauricio had a good week this week, but, like, Mauricio overall, too, is not that great either. I think as long as my top, like, I think as long, I have no problem with Harry and Riley kind of sticking around for a little bit, as long as they don't touch the people who should be there in the end. Right, any of the four who should be there. Well, right, and I even think, like, Lele is better than Harry, so, like, I don't want her and Brandon to go home because Harry and Riley. True. So, I mean, I love them though. So like, yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah. I saw a TikTok earlier in the week of somebody predicting their final four. And I was a little surprised because they had, it was mostly the same as ours. Right. But instead of charity, they had Lele. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I was like, I don't, I don't, I, I could see her making, like, being on the cusp of the semis. The only reason is I do think she has a fan base. But I don't know if her fan base, I'm not as familiar with her, like, pre-dancing with the stars. But I don't know if her fan base is big enough to overtake Bachelor Nation. True. So, True. I don't know. Oh, but can we talk about Ariana's dance? Speaking about reality TV? Oh, that dance was good. It was really good. She's so good. That last shot when, like, she, like, glares at the camera and then Pasha just kind of, like, turns her around and glares. Oh, it was so good. She's so good. And I'm just so glad that Pasha actually gets to showcase what he can do. Yeah. Because he hasn't had a partner at all that, you know, would let his talent shine to. Yeah. So good. That was such a fuck you dance to the other guy. It was really good. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. yeah, really, really good. Yeah, and then in the middle of the episode, we got the Len Goodman tribute dance. 
which could not have been more perfect. Absolutely beautiful. So beautiful. If Jenna and Val don't at least get nominated for an Emmy, then like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? And I was like, I was, I was like, I wasn't like emotional during the dance. I was like, this is gorgeous. This is such a fitting tribute. I didn't lose it until they like everybody turned and they like they shone the light on his spot in the middle and Carrie Ann and Bruno were sobbing. Yeah. And then they show like all the pros crying and crying. it was like a solid minute of like silence. And yeah. it was yeah. Alan was crying. Kim was crying. Daniela, Emma, Derek, Julian. Yeah. I mean like they were all crying. Yeah. That is when like the tears were like jumping out of my face. Yeah. Yeah, I do say, and this is not anything to take away from the dance because I thought the dance was amazing. I have two tiny, tiny. So one, I feel like obviously they brought the eight older pros back, which I thought was really <laughs> great to see them. I wish they had even in like the beginning of the episode because they were like, oh, and like some pros are returning, but then they like never had a chance to even like highlight who that was. <laughs> and I don't know. I wish they didn't like even just like two seconds had them be like. You know how they do, like, when someone, like, is getting ready to come up next, they'll be like, and up next, Terry and Riley dancing a contemporary. Like, I wish they had just done that with the pros so the pros could have, like, waved high and, like, had- I know it wasn't about them, but, like, acknowledge them just, like, a smidge more. Because mm-hmm. I thought that, you know, it is a cool thing. I don't think it'll ever happen again to have, like, older pros, especially that many of them return. So, like, I just thought that was cool. And I also wish in the package, I wish they had let more of the current pros speak. Because none of a, Val got one line, and otherwise, mm-hmm. none of the nobody who's a current pro said anything. Yeah, true. Like none of them. True. And like obviously, I know that like obviously, the longer you're the old, you know, if you were on the show from the beginning, then you've known Lynn longer. But like mm-hmm. some of these people who are on the show currently, like Emma's been around for a really long time. Sasha has, Val has, like some of them have been around for a while now. So yeah. I don't know. I would have been nice to hear from them too, like share their memories. Like it was great to hear from obviously like Mark and Julianne and Derek, and, you know, but like I would have liked to hear from like some of the current pros too. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been great. There were two pro absences that I noted that I was just kind of like, all right, clocking that. Um, one of which yeah, so so Sharna was not part of the dance. Brian Austin Green made sure to post about that this week and be like, what the fuck? Uh, the other pro that I was like, really? I was surprised not to see there was Cheryl Burke. Yeah, she made a whole thing about it too. Oh, what'd she say? I didn't see what she said. It was like a three-minute video just talking about the fact that she wasn't invited and yeah. Scandal. Yeah. I was surprised. I honestly... The Sharna one didn't surprise as much as I would have loved to see Sharna there. The Sharna one didn't surprise me only because they it seems like they didn't even invite back like Whitney, Lindsay, like anyone who's a more current one. Mm-hmm. But Cheryl, given how long, like the Cheryl one, kind of uh, was- that was a shock to me. Yeah, the Cheryl one was definitely surprising. It sounds like Sharna's been blacklisted for some reason she doesn't know. Well, I mean, I think she knows the reason why. Why? I think she, I I assume that it has to do with the fact that she tried to, you know, when she talks about the fact that she's had, like, uncomfortable experiences with previous partners and she tried to, like, you know, report it or whatever, like, I think that has something to do with it. Uh, I assume, dumb. I don't know that, but I assume, I assume, I don't know that, though. 
Boo, if true. I don't know that to be true. And Cheryl, I don't know why Cheryl didn't get asked. And I guess, I don't know. Yeah. And I get that you can't ask everybody back either, right? Like, you can't ask every single pro who's ever been on the show to come back. True. But there are some that, like, just hit a level different. And, yeah. Like, Cheryl's an OG. Almost. Pretty much. Didn't she, I like, mean, she's been since season two. I was going to say, didn't she win season two with Emmett Smith? She won season two with Drew Lachey and season three with Emmett Smith. Oh, okay. She wasn't in the OG six, but she was there, I mean, basically since the beginning. And then she took some time off and then she came back for a bunch of these later seasons. Mm. So she's not an OG. Edita was an OG. Um, so that was cool to see. But yeah. And Louie was an OG. Yep. But yep. those were it from like the OG season, like the OG season. Um, so as I said before, I lost the whole back half of the episode because I was too busy reeling over the Tracy news. So um, what happened in the back half that it was notable? Did Jason have a good dance? Yeah, it was very good. Okay. I mean, I, unless something like tragic happens, like I don't think he's never not going to have a good dance. True. You know, True. I mean, unless he like slips or Daniela slips, or, you know, something like that. Like, I don't think he's going to have a bad dance at this point. Um, Barry had a great dance. I mean, a good like solid redemption dance like it was very good um who assigns the dances is my question like they they do do they just randomly assign the dances on a given week because this week they were like most memorable year and he's like 1968 like the year i was all young and before i went to the brady bunch they're like cool now dance on paso huh no i think some of it and i don't know if this is true or not i think some of it is a little pre-planned and like I'm sure that, like, he didn't just say last week, like, I'm choosing my most memorable year is 1968. Like, I think, because I've also heard, because, like, people say, like, oh, well, do you get a choice in, like, the music? And I've heard they can then say, like, oh, they can give suggestions of, like, oh, I really like this song or, oh, whatever. But that doesn't mean you're getting that song. So I think there Mm -hmm. is some pre-planning to the weeks. Like, they can't just decide at the last minute to be like oh yeah Barry you're dancing to this song because they've got to get songs cleared and then you know like I think there's a more planning into it that goes into it than we know yeah no but that's what I'm saying is like before the season's even set are they just like okay well for week one you know celeb a is gonna dance a Roomba like celeb b is gonna dance a cha-cha like yeah I think so because they have to strategically plan it out because the idea is that if you make it to the finale You've danced a variety. Like I don't think you've danced like every dance style, but you've obviously danced like a variety of Latin, a variety of ballroom. You've done probably a contemporary or at least a contemporary or a jazz. Like you've done like the variety. So they yeah. kind of have to plan it out so that, and they're not doing a whole week of like everyone doing a tango. Like they want variety within the week. Yeah. Even like Latin night, obviously they're not giving everyone a cha cha cha. That's not, you know, so they have to plan it that far too. My mind always goes back to the year they had like the decade weeks and Nicole Scherzinger got a 50 style Paso Doble. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I do miss some of that. Like, I do miss, I was thinking about this as I've been watching like older stuff too. Like, I wish, like, as much as I like a good theme, I do kind of miss some of the like random stuff they would make them do in the earlier seasons. Yeah. And like, yeah, like 50s Paso Doble or um fusions or challenges or like you know like I kind of miss that stuff and I feel like 
a lot of that got lost when they cut out results night and they kind of had to condense everything down into two hours. That's true. And I just, I miss some of that. I'm also remembering when Derek and Sean did the Knight Rider Bollywood dance. Like what? Yeah, yeah. Th- none of those go together. What are you doing? They were like, Derek was like, I don't know what I'm doing. What the fuck <laughs> is a bongra? Oh, goodness. Fun times. Yeah. Fun times. So, yeah. And Mira Sorvino went home, which was really sur- surprising. I, yeah, I felt bad for her. Yeah. I thought she, I, I want to say I'm surprised. I'm not totally surprised because I just didn't think fan base wise. I think she, hers was maybe not as fair. Um, I'll be curious about next week. Yeah. What night, what, what is next night, next week themed? Is it, it's monster night, right? Yeah, because it's, it's on Halloween. It's yeah. always they always do Halloween night. I love it. It's my favorite. It. Although I miss like usually Whitney would get a contemporary on Halloween week and like slay, and I'm like, dang, we're not getting a Whitney con- Halloween contemporary this week. But it's fine. Sad. It's fine. She's only had some of the best ones, but it's fine. <laughs> That's your Dancing with the Stars update. Coming yeah. every week. Every week, yeah. Tune back in every week because it's not like there's much other TV going on right now. And this is all we have. And it's all we have. Literally my saving grace. But actually, though, mine too. And then all the news surrounding it, which we won't get into. And it's just, it's a, it, there's so much to talk about with Dance of the Stars right now. We don't have to talk about the news. We can talk about the cute TikToks we get, though. Oh, the one of Harry with Riley's family minus Riley. I know. Solid. That was pretty funny. I do. They're this, I mean, as this year's class, you know, they know how to do their TikToks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sochi and Val and Lele, they did one this week that was funny. They were all like dancing and just goofing off. Well, and then did you see the one originally where Lele was the third wheel to Harry and Riley? Mm-mm. Okay, well, they did that one like a couple weeks ago. I think it was like right after the like hand holding pictures came out. And then they redid it because Lele's husband has been in town. And so Harry was the third wheel to them. <laughs> and so they redid it and it was very funny. But I can't believe you've never seen the Harry and Riley one. I will have to send it to you. Yeah, please do. It's and especially because it came out like right after the um right after the hand hoarding pictures. And they've just milked it and everyone's milking it. Like Julian Huff is like always talking about like it's just they're milking the like people thinking they're together thing. I love that show. Love it so much. But yeah, that's your update. So without further ado, shall we move into these episodes? Let's do it. Alrighty. We're going to start with Med, just like we always do. This episode was chaos. There's a lot happening. I texted you in the middle of this and I was like, outlining this is breaking my brain. There's a lot happening. Yeah. Yeah. There were like 15 things going on. And then it was just like, and each like... Each arc only had a little bit, and then I was like, but wait, this is important, and I want to pull this audio, but also the follow-up clip's important, and I want to pull that audio, but I also don't want to pull too much. It was, yeah, this was not my best outline job, but we shall talk about it. Okay, so we're going to start with Connor and Zanetti, because they got the first scene, and that's how this works. Yeah. These two were so weird this week. I, what is happening with them? At, at, at first, I thought it was going one direction, and then it went another. And I was like, how did we get here? What are we doing right now? Yeah, I was like, what? 
But then I feel like we'll we'll get there. I'll save my comment for when we get there. Okay, so Connor is doing Connor. He's doing his thing. Zanetti just gets back. Like, she's just got back from this surgery conference in Orlando. And she's like, man, like, I missed surgery. I really, like, want to do something. I just really missed, like, working. Yeah. So they get two patients, this couple that was in a really horrible car accident. They got T-boned. And, like, it's just, it's bad. So basically, they both end up operating on the girl. And like, it's gruesome. The way they have this girl's organs just like splayed out in the OR, like it's nothing. They're just like, she's bleeding from somewhere. Let's lift up the intestine and see if we can find it. Like what? Yeah. It's insane. So Connor removes her spleen and that happens. And later on, they're in the elevator. And apparently removing somebody's spleen is an aphrodisiac. Only I don't in know. Chicago bed. Only, Only in Chicago on Chicago. Zanetti is like, that was fucking hot. And Connor's like, they're about to basically like hook up in the elevator. And then they get interrupted. Now, there's something weird happening here with Zanetti's elbow. She like banged it or something in Orlando. And like, she doesn't even have a bruise. It's like infected. It's I don't so know. What the weird. Fuck. It's, it's like, so weird. It's like, what is the actual point of that storyline except to keep her out of the OR? Yeah. Yeah. But you could have made it a lot more realistic, I guess. Like you could have actually, like you said, had it bruised. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it was like not, there was a disconnect there. This is so weird. This is so weird. Okay. So uh, she's like, oh, I banged my elbow, like whatever. And Connor's like, well, let me look at it. And then like they get out the elevator. He drops her on the ortho floor to be like, you're getting this looked at. Right. But also he's like, well, it's really red and it's hot to the touch. And like, she, you know, and she's like, oh, well, I already put myself on an antibiotic. Okay. Which is it? Did you end it? Did you cut it? Did it bruise? What? I need specifics here. Like yeah. what is happening? Again, it makes no sense. No, no sense at all. None. And the fact that he drops her on the ortho floor, you, you're telling me she can just go right up to one of the ortho doctors and say, hey, look at my elbow real fast. Probably. Is it really that easy? When you're a doctor, probably. So weird. So weird. So Connor's like, no, this is serious. Like, you know better. You've got to get this checked and like, take it seriously. And she's like, okay, fine. I will. I will. That's fine. So this poor couple, back to this couple that came in in the accident, were on a first date. These poor kids. Like, like talk so... about the worst first date ever in the history of first dates. But actually, though, that would actually, and this poor kid, like, he even says at one point, he says to Ethan, he's like, the coffee shop we went to was crowded. So I suggested that we drive to the other one. And that's when this happened. Oh, yeah. oh, poor guy. So the the guy was internally bleeding and then they had stopped it. So he went to, he wanted to go see the girl because he felt so bad. Like it was the first day, right? So he goes to see the girl, he collapses. So as Connor's operating on the guy, Zanetti comes in and like she's got this like not it's not a sling but she's got some sort of brace on her elbow and she gets really weird like yeah. really fast because she's like okay well you know make sure you do this make sure you do that stitch make sure you cover this face and Connor's being such a dick oh the worst the oh worst my God. he's like I know what I'm doing and like by the way how'd it go with your elbow and like bro it doesn't matter if you're fucking her. She's still your attending. Yeah, you still have to respect her in the space you're I mean, you should respect her at all times, but especially in the place you're in. Oh, my goodness. And the way he's talking to her in front of everybody else, too. Yeah. It's a dick move. It, yeah. It's a really dick That's move. That's putting it lightly. 
And then the last line that he leaves her with when, uh, you know, because she's like, don't talk to me like that. I'm your attending. And so Connor goes, well, close him up unless Dr. Zanetti would prefer to. That is such a low blow given her elbow. Mm -hmm. That is so immature. No, Connor's just the fucking worst in this episode. And like, again, where the fuck does it come from? Exactly. Like, yeah. You're not, it's not even like you really had a fight. The last we saw you, she was, you were putting her in the elevator, you know, kicking her off the elevator to go get her arm checked. And like what? She told you, she reminded you to do a few things in the OR and now you're going to be a fucking asshole? Like why? Yeah. I, I don't understand where this fight comes from. It's like no offense to you, Tina, but it's like, I expect this out of Will, but not out of Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you drag my boy's name through the mud like that? No, but absolutely, I would. It feels way more of a will thing to do than a no. Connor thing. No, it absolutely does. To talk back to your intending like that, do you have a death wish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as if that's not confusing enough, they get out of the OR and the fight continues. Well, what happened in the OR today? Pro forma, I was acting as your supervising attending physician. Well, I think maybe it was more than that. Look, Sam, you're a surgeon. That's who you are. And right now, you can't operate. Oh, I see. So out of my frustration, I laid into you. Well. Couldn't possibly have anything to do with you or your performance. It's just me. I'm the crazy bitch. Ah, oh, come on. Look, you're, you're taking this the wrong way. You are such a macho cliche. Sam, you put yourself at risk to do some serious damage to your arm. And for what? This need to be the big, mighty surgeon? You know that was stupid. You have this all figured out. You are so full of yourself. Come on, that's, that's, that's hilarious coming from you. You know what? I think this whole thing was a mistake. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Did I miss something? If you missed something, then so did I. So weird. Makes no sense at all. Zero sense. Was this basically them having a dick swing competition and her being like, hey, like you had no right to sideline me, I'm your attending? I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either. So before the very end, there's this moment where Ethan and Connor are kind of like watching the couple afterwards. And this is towards the end. So like everything's resolved. And Ethan mentions that the couple now they're trauma bonded yeah and how like sometimes people go through the same trauma and it just bonds them for life um i have old co-workers that like we make that joke about that we're trauma bonded because we went through like shitty jobs together <laughs> uh but if that's the parallel to be made well where's the trauma bond between like between zanetti and connor right it makes no sense and then especially if you think about the whole like just the course of their relation their very short relationship so far it's like when they first started, we were like, what the fuck? Like, that makes no sense. And now they're fighting, and it still really makes no sense. Like, they're literally their entire relationship makes no sense. No sense at all. Other than the fact that they're two hot people who want to hook up. Yep. That I get, but... <laughs> Maybe the trauma bonds that they're both surgeons? But, like, that makes no sense. No, it makes no sense at all. And I don't remember what happens in next week's episode. So is it foreshadowing something? I don't know. But like. It's a mystery. But yeah. it ends with them forgiving each other in the doctor's lounge. And like, it's not even a full out, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, whatever. It's basically just them like standing together. And then Connor's like, want to go out to dinner? I'll even cut your steak for you. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm so confused. Yeah. This one. Nah. 
this one ain't it, bro. Like this, this one no. just no. It just makes me think of that TikTok sound where it's like, don't fuck your coworkers. Hey, don't fuck your coworkers. Don't do it. Oh God, I've not heard that one, but I feel like now we need to make a TikTok because think about all the pictures we can show. <laughs> just like Between one, all three shows. One Chicago ship after ship after ship. I yeah. feel like it'd be easier to say who hasn't. True story. <laughs> Granted, if everybody on One Chicago followed that rule, we would have a real boring Wednesday night. That's what I'm saying. I yeah. feel like it's easier to say who hasn't fucked their coworkers. True, true. One Chicago would just be like them sitting across the table staring at each other if they abided by that rule. <laughs> Actually, though. It would be nothing but like Herman B stories and like Mouch comedic plots and then like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and intelligent solving cases. Yeah, it would just it would get real dry then. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yeah, that's Connor and Zanetti. I I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're one of those couples that like lives for the makeup sex. I don't know. How much longer is she in the show? It's a good question. It's not me about to like hit up How, well, Med season one is only like 14 or 16, right? It's 18. PD is 15. 14, something like that. Chicago Med. Let's see here if I can find it very quickly. Season one. Let's see. What's her? Who even played? Zanetti. Where is she? Oh, there she is. Julie Berman. She's in eight episodes. She's in one, three, four. She's in eight, nine, ten, eleven. So she's basically in the next four. Okay. And then it basically gives way to Downey for the last half. Yeah. And so that's it. Okay. Okay. So I guess this is gonna, this is the like ascend and then we're about to very quickly hit the descend. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's a good way to put it. We're in the like kind of the top and now it's about to go. Yeah, yeah. So next up across the hospital, we've got Will. So, Rhina, please take it away. Yeah, so the first thing we see is obviously, of course, everyone's like goo goo ga ga over the baby pictures of Owen. And Will, like, kind of gives off that he's, like, not impressed. He's like, okay, whatever. And But, like, really, we all know why. is because Will's trying not to show an emotional attachment because of the way Natalie's mother-in-law treated him last week. Mm-hmm. so we all know why but he's like trying to play it cool he's like okay meh, whatever whatever baby yeah no baby so the patient that he ends up working on i forget his name but his patient is the guy who t-boned connor's patients so again lots happening because you've got will and connor's storylines intersecting even though they don't that's about it that's about mm-hmm. as far as they intersect <laughs> so he starts working on them and who comes in other than sean roman Ugh, the worst sean roman makes will look angel but actually though see and brina agreed yeah that doesn't say that much though so this patient he basically ended up carjacking a woman with at gunpoint and stealing the car in front of the cops in front of Roman so Roman's like 
okay and because will's like okay i need you to take the cuffs off and roman's like fuck no and will's like yeah i need you to cut take the cuffs off and so roman ends up finally relenting and like as soon as that happens though their patient he like oh you can kind of hear him mutter like i'm sorry but you know it doesn't nothing really beyond that happens but um roman does relent to you know finally take him off and will's just like haha okay the whole so, time in that whole scene, I was like, shut up, Sean. Shut up, Sean. Shut up. Yeah. yeah. So their patient has a fractured arm. And, like, it's, it's a pretty bad fracture. Like, it's definitely broken in, like, I think two places. Like, it's mm-hmm. not pretty. But, and so Will's like, you need surgery. And he's like, no, I just want to leave. Like, I don't want anything. And then, of course, he can't leave, though, because then he starts coughing up blood. Oh, So, of course a bad day for him yeah so then his wife comes in and jay is there too (laughs) and so the wife is confused because she's like why like yeah he was in a car accident but like why is the police involved and so jay fills her in and she is pissed Mm -hmm. she is pissed because she basically had told the guy i guess he had committed a crime before and basically was like if you commit another one like i'm gone i'm leaving your ass and she's like going on and on and on. And then she tells Jay, she's like, well, you, I will tell you whatever you want to know. Just hit me with the questions. And yeah. But also shout out to this woman for sticking, for like for sticking to her guns. For sure. Um, so basically how this ended up happening is the guy ends up having had lung cancer for months and he knew about it already, but he doesn't want his wife to know. And so, but, and this guy is really, he's just like, I just want to get out of here. Like, just t- let him take me to jail. Like, just, I'm, I'm done. Like, just let me take him to jail. So Will finally goes to see Natalie and Owen. And Natalie basically is desperate for this point for like connection that has nothing to do with babies or anything like that. And people like going crazy for her. So she wants all the hospital gossip. So Will's like telling her about this patient and she mentions, she's like, oh yeah, you know, that's terrible. And she's like, well, at least he'll get the care he needs in jail. And it, like, hits Will at that moment, like, why he's doing, why he's acting the way he is. So Will goes back to the patient and is telling him, you know, he figures out basically the reason why he was doing it is that he doesn't have health care. And if he goes straight to jail, he can get not only his arm fixed, you know, through by being there, but also he can get, you know, cancer treatments. And so he did it to ultimately try to, you know, not die. And so Will tells him, though, he's like, you know, you don't owe me an answer, but like your wife, she ought to know the truth. So Will goes to talk to Jay about this. And Jay is pissed. (laughs) And I do think it's interesting, though, that Will's like, you know, because Jay's like, well, what the fuck? And Will's like, I can't say anything, like, after a patient confidentiality. But yet you just went and told your brother, who's a cop. Yep, yep. And it's just like, okay. Preaching and... doctor confidentiality while he's breaching it. Yeah. And he does, I mean, he does make a good point, though. He's like, it's not exactly free healthcare, Jay. Like, he's going to prison. Because Jay's like, just doing it to get out of this, blah, blah, blah. Like, Jay's just going on and on and on. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah, he made doing it to try to, like, get, you know, skirt the system but like he's also going to prison like yeah you know that's also a lot to weigh on someone too like mm-hmm. he didn't this guy who whatever his name is like didn't come at the decision to go to prison just to get free health care lightly right and that's what William says he's like 
you know, my brother always said there's no such thing as a smart criminal, but like, I don't believe that, like, because you're pretty darn smart to like have come up with this plan. Yeah. So, like, I can't imagine he didn't actually like think about every little scenario. Did you think Will was going to go tell the wife when he said that, you know, when he was like, don't tell my wife? Did you think Will was going to go do that? For two seconds. For two I seconds. Did too. I did too. I did too, mostly because I didn't remember what happened in this one. There were parts of it, like, once I started watching, I was like, oh, that kind of comes back to me. But I definitely, you said, like, what happens in Med 107? I would have had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely did not remember this next part. Yeah, no. 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 So after Will, we've also got Goodwin and Maggie. And so there is a girl in the hospital who she's been in and out of Med for, like, the past 10 years. And this time she's getting a stem cell transplant. And so it's it's a day to celebrate. Govin and Maggie are like, hell yeah, we're going to go say hi. We're going to celebrate. This is great. So the brother has been going around the hospital putting up flyers to fundraise because they want to send the donor and the donor's family on vacation. Very sweet, very innocent, you know. Yes. Cool. So the board, of course, naturally has to come in and shut the transplant down. Cannot have nice things. Because they're buzz kills? Because they hate fun? It is weird, though. Like, on the one hand, I want to be mad at the board, but, like, if it is against the law, then, like, I get why they're trying to shut it down on the other hand. But, like, it's also a weird. I mean, like, and I get, I guess, why it's a law. Because, like, obviously, you don't want them people just selling their organs for, you know, sell organs. True. But it's, I don't know, it's a weird federal regulation, too. But it's so innocent. It's a teenager. Like, yeah. Yeah. Very, very innocent. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Peter explains it. He's like, oh, I said his name right this time. I, I literally, as I was watching it, I was like, because Sharon says Peter. And I'm like, I got to remember when we talk about it, that's Peter, not Arthur. Peter, Peter, Peter. And it's so funny when my name goes through the roulette of like, when my, when my brain goes through like the Russian roulette of what his name, I'm like, Arthur, Joseph. No, not Joseph. But what is it? What is it? Peter, Peter. Like, no, yeah. In my mind, it's always either Peter or Arthur. And I there is no in between. And I just can never remember which one it is. We're starting to get the hang of it. Yeah. All these old episodes are helping. Yeah, yeah. But actually, though. But then watches like hit like the new seasons, whatever those may be. And then he makes like one appearance and we're like, what's the name again? Right, right. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So it, Peter explains it. He says, you know, it, it gives the illusion that the donor is doing this for compensation, which like, yeah, OK, that makes sense. But also this is a kid. Like, right. it's dude. like if you really look at like, I get I get the rule, but like, I feel like that should be like on a case by case basis. Oh, big time. Big time. Big time. So, yeah. And then, and of course, I, I mean, I was just kind of like, who is even on this board? Like, clearly at this point in time, there are no doctors on this board. Like. It's all just rich people making decisions about things they have no clue about. Like, that's insane. So then later on, Peter ends up a patient. This is a little funny. Um, Yeah, he ends up a patient and his blood, it turns out his blood pressure spiked from like the stress of it all. And it's so funny because this poor guy, he's having such a meltdown and he's just like, he even says, he's like, oh my God, I should have like listened to my brother and stuck with estate planning. And I laughed at that because lawyer jokes, but I, yeah, I felt that. But Goodwin's response to all of this, because he's stressing out, Goodwin's basically like, yeah, that's too bad. You got to pull it together because you're not suffering nearly as much as this girl is. Yeah. Like, suck it up. It was basically Goodwin's response. You're basically experiencing first world problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So suck it up. So the board has delayed this transplant, which of course means that 
the girl crashes like she ends up crashing they luckily get her back and that's when goodwin is like you know what fuck this shit goodwin's like do the transplant i don't give a shit anymore like if i get in trouble i get in trouble just do the damn transplant right she's stable enough just do it yeah yeah so they do the transplant and the mom is just like well how did you get them to agree and she's like they just had to get their priorities straight they being goodwin uh Mm -hmm. so as goodwin's leaving peter stops her and we get this fantastic scene don't start peter i know what i'm in for hey hey i'm the bearer of good news the hospital's not going to take action against you given the gravity of the situation U.S. prosecutes hospital administrator for saving girls' life. I don't think the Justice Department needs that kind of publicity. So I think it is safe to assume you are in the clear. Well, ain't that great. Sharon? A girl has to almost die for this hospital to realize that it's actually here to treat patients. You stay on your blood pressure meds, Peter. Keep taking your blood pressure medicine, Peter. Iconic Goodwin comeback. Goodwin gives no fucks. No fucks. That is why she's a queen. And we stand and we continue to stand. We stand forever and ever. Yep. Love her. Love her. Yeah. So then we've got April. There's like 15 things happening in this episode. Yeah. It's insane. Go ahead. So April has a patient named Bobby, played by Norm Lewis. I forgot he ever made an appearance in this in one Chicago, but played by Norm Lewis. Wait, what has he been in? Oh, he's like Broadway, like legend. Ooh, love me some Broadway. Like, there's probably nothing he hasn't been in. Wait, side rant, real fast. I saw a rumor today that Aaron Tveit is going to take over for Josh Groban and Sweeney Todd. I've seen that rumor. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, he would slay it, of course, but also, like, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Anyway. I've seen I that, that rumor, too. My mind blew. Go on. I've seen that. Um, anyway, yeah. Norm Lewis, Broadway legend. Um, he lives in a homeless shelter, and it's basically, he's the second time he's come in with frostbite all over his feet. Um. And so April's been working with him. She worked with him the last time, and she's got, you know, obviously a very good connection with him. So she's a little confused, though, when she finds out that, you know, Dr. Charles shows up and finds out that the attending that had been treating Bobby called for a psych consult because he doesn't think that Bobby can take care of himself. Because Bobby, when April was working on his feet the last time or this time, he mentioned that he, like, gave his shoes to someone else in the shelter who, like, really needed them. So Dr. Charles talks to him and, you know, asking him all the questions. And, you know, so he sends him the first CT. And it turns out, though, the reason why he's been so generous for the last little bit is because he had a stroke. And it formed lesions in part of his brain that controls his behavior. So he didn't even feel that he had a stroke. But that's why because he and Dr. Charles were talking and Dr. Charles asked him, you know, like when he first started feeling all the, you know, seeing all the generosity that changes and he's like, it basically just happened like one day like that. And that would make sense because it was because of the stroke. So crazy. And so, but you know, there's nothing to do. He's fine with it. Like he understood. He's like, okay, yeah, I had a stroke and now I'm this person. And okay, cool. But then on the flip side, he ends up having another stroke while he's in the ED. And it basically does the exact opposite to his personality. He's 
skittish. He's not trusting of anyone. Like he is literally unrecognizable and so much so that he's basically going to now have to be in like a nursing home because he can't take care of himself by himself. And so the episode ends in April saying, you know, she's not sure really what she believe what to believe in anymore. And Dr. Charles just tells her, you know, like, look around. And yeah. It's one of those like super wholesome moments that we only got in season one where like they oh, pin around yeah. the hospital and show everybody helping. We've gotten a few here recently, but not as many. Not as many. No. So. Yeah. One of those sweet moments. Yeah. So. And then last up, we've got Natalie. Yeah. A little bit of Natalie they work in here. So Natalie's with Owen and Helen and, you know, Helen's just loving on Owen. Everything's great. And they start talking about Seattle. I forgot that that's where Natalie's from. I literally was like, wait. And then I was like, oh, yeah. But I had no idea. Completely forgot. Completely Did not forgot. remember that at all. So, yeah, they start talking about Seattle. And basically, they plant the seed in this episode that, like, Natalie's contemplating moving back basically what that's for so in the middle of the episode natalie's parents come to visit i completely forgot we met natalie's parents once mm-hmm. like before her mom came back in whatever yeah yeah so natalie's parents come back and we we meet them and her mom is not played by the same actress but it's okay so yeah so helen's watching as like you know she's with her parents and everything and maggie finds helen in the hallway and helen just kind of confines in her and it's just like you know not no or no the only family i have so like i don't want them to leave and maggie says the same thing she's like i'm selfish i don't want her to leave either yeah like i get it trust me i get it so then later on maggie basically has will take this basket up to the room and she calls him out on his bullshit take that basket to natalie would you radiology sent it Maggie? Uh-huh. You know, I don't want to give anyone the wrong impression. The wrong impression? Natalie just had a baby. Oh, uh-huh. I know that. Her husband died only six months ago. I know that, too. So, I don't want to give anyone the wrong impression. It amazes me how dumb a doctor can be. Everybody knows you like Natalie. They do? So don't be things too complicated. Just take the basket. Only Maggie. I was about to say the same thing. Only Maggie. Only Maggie can call Will out like that, especially when it yep. comes to Natalie. Yep. And he's so humbled too. She's like, everybody knows you like her. And he's like, oh God, they do. William. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And then it ends with Natalie taking Owen home. Mm-hmm. And that's that. Yep. It's a quick one yeah a little bit very busy episode mm-hmm. a lot of things happening and like like you said i have no idea what happens next week no idea i don't remember but that kind of yeah you know it also had a very busy episode fire. chicago fire it did it did we were talking about last week how like last week was basically like all casey and all gabby and this week there's like five different things happening and i'm like huh i forgot then I forgot the iconic things that happened in this one. The one, like the canon events in Chicago Fire history that happened in this episode. There's a lot. There's yeah, a lot. there is a lot. There's definitely a lot. Go on. All right. So we're going to start off with Bowden. So the episode starts and 51 gets called out to this fire at, I don't I don't think it's a school because it's Thanksgiving, but I don't really understand what it is mm-hmm. either. 
they don't really like make that clear enough but basically there's a guy named leonard who's like missing they can't find and where was he in the basement cooking crystal meth with a bunch of kids yeah with a bunch of kids around so great yeah which that will become more important here in a second but that's for separate section um but while they're there bodison notices this kid on the bike who we saw a few episodes ago i don't remember which one but it was a few episodes ago and he lives around the corner. He kind of likes to watch things happen and, you know, the scene. And so Bowden invites him to 51. So the kid Ernie shows up and Bowden invites him in. And Ernie even helps Mills with dinner because, you know, Mills is working on Thanksgiving dinner. And so Bowden pulls Herman aside, though, and tells him he has suspicions that Ernie may be a firebug, which is why he keeps showing up to all the scenes and so he's like hey herman can you spend some time with him and kind of you know try to get a read on him so herman is trying to get ernie to open up when he gets back from a call and he's like slowly coming around you know he tells um you know herman basically that you know he's living with his grandma like he doesn't really have other family around you know things like that so chris takes ernie to go sit in the fire truck and bowden gets herman's like assessment and herman's like I can kind of see where you're coming from, but, like, I'm not sure that's true either. And Herman just says, be careful. He's like, just be careful. And Bowden's like, of what? And he says, don't replace a kid you lost with a kid you can't save. It's like, what is he talking about? Yeah, so at this point, we don't know what he's talking about, right? No. Right. No. Um, Which you kind of, but no. Um. So Bowden later on, he doesn't listen to Herman's advice and he decides to ask Ernie about what's in his backpack because Ernie just constantly is wearing his backpack. He won't take it off, you know. And of course, this has Ernie starting to freeze up and he like refuses to show him what's in the backpack and basically just like runs away. So Bowden's plan backfires big time. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the episode, we see Bowden call someone beg- begging to just speak to Jimmy, but, like, it doesn't happen, and, like, we don't really know, like, who that is or, you know, what's going on. This is the one who, like, because wasn't Bowden married one time before the show started? I can't remember if they were married, but, yeah, he was, it was definitely, like, and it wasn't his child. It, yeah, was, it, her child. it was yeah. her child. It was her child. Yeah. And then he's the kid that later on, like, comes to the firehouse, and we find out that he's getting abused by the stepdad, right? Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's the same kid yeah 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 but we don't know at that point like who that is and yeah yeah so yep i didn't get firebug vibes from that kid although firebug is like the cutest way to call someone an arson or an if arsonist I remember correctly though doesn't ernie end up getting burned alive oh shit that's Doesn't dark. he end up, like end up in a fire and like Bowden can't save him I don't remember that at all. Doesn't that what happened? Oh man! Why am I, like I feel like and now I'm like, but now I'm back to like IMDb to like see what episode this kid's in. Wait, again. but so, don't tell me because I'm won't. like, I'm just gonna look for myself. Okay, I'm like grossly intrigued now. I'm like, he what? I'm pretty sure that's what happened, but I'm I not telling that. you. Maybe I blocked it from memory. Should I? Anyway, <laughs> we'll find out when we get there. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So then we talk about Severide a little bit. Severide was not very good this week. Uh, no. He was up to some shit. Okay. So 
on the crystal meth call severide's shoulder starts acting up so he takes another pain pill just like friendly reminder he's got a legit like fracture in his spine and that's why his shoulder's all messed up Mm -hmm. so that's going on but of course because of the crystal meth they all have to get drug tested and make sure they weren't exposed so severide is freaking out to shay because he's like well shit i just took something like i'm not gonna pass what the hell and shay's pissed because she you know he didn't tell her of course i'd be pissed like he's taking really strong stuff too and he's still working on the job like oh yeah because he ended up going to that girl anna yeah yep yep yeah so Mills is cooking Thanksgiving dinner and he at a certain point he has to abandon it because they get a call. So Elise shows up. And of course, Severide is just like, gee, what perfect timing. Let me help you. Yeah. He's still in Dar, which is funny. So yeah, Severide helps out for a little bit, trying to be flirty. They do the whole thing with like, you know, Elise is trying to like cut an onion. And so she's like, puts a piece of bread in her mouth. She's like, it's supposed to help. Um, and then Severide tries the same thing, but then the drug test guy walks in and Severide walks right out. Do you recognize the drug test guy? No, am I supposed to? He's the same guy who does taser recertification for PD. What a job he has. But actually, though. What a job. Yeah. I want that job, whatever that job is. It's the same guy from the warehouse episode. I did not notice that, but that's funny. I caught that pretty quickly. I wonder if we've seen him recently and just haven't noticed it. Because that's a great running gag, if so. Back to IMDb. Yeah, but actually, though. But actually, though. I'll let you know. Give me two seconds. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Sev hides in his office because he's like, well, shit. Like, I got to take this drug test. I'm not going to pass. So he calls Anna, Anna the drug dealer. We have to specify Anna's because there's so damn many of them in fire history. Especially as related to Severide. Yeah, but actually, though, and he's like, well, what about, like, poppy seed muffins? That'll show up, right? And she's like, do you have, like, 17 of them? Because that's what it's going to take. And she's like, don't bring me into this. I told you to leave me out of it. Like, what are you doing? And so she basically hangs up. And so the guy's still waiting around for Severide sample. I love how he parks on the couch and is like, I got money on the Cowboys game, so I'm just going to sit here and let you guys, like, pee in cups and handle it. Okay. Well, real quick before you go on. So this guy, Dan Jenkins, that's the character name. Okay. He was in what episode of Fire? He is in two episodes. He's in that episode of PD because that's 215, right? Yes. And then he's also in 219 as Dan Jenkins. As the same guy. And I think it's funny that Dan Jenkins is the guy's name on PD and on Fire. Yeah, it's the same. It's yeah, same guy. No, I know, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's not necessarily the same character. You know, it's just like, oh, it's the same actor. No, this is like the same character. Yeah. Which is funny. But yeah, he's apparently in 219 as well. Only in those three? Yeah, and then that's literally, the, he hasn't done anything since then. That would have been a great That was literally gag. his last acting job was PD Oh my gosh. 219. He hasn't done anything since. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would have been a great gag to keep going. But yeah. So uh, Sev hides in his office. Anna's just like, leave me out of this, whatever. And so the guy's still waiting around and Sev's doing literally anything he can to like procrastinate doing this. And so just as Severide is about to go give his sample, Shay comes to the rescue and gives him a sample that she can use. She peed for him, basically. Which like, did did he ask her to? Like, are we just supposed to assume that she anticipated it? Yeah. Oh, I'd be so mad if I were Shay. 
Yeah, I think she just knew and she wasn't willing to see him go down. And so she did it. But, you know, the position he put her in, though. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So bad. So, yeah, Shay just reams into him at the end and she's just like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, I don't know who this Kelly is. It's not you. And Kelly's just like, "Okay, fine. But yeah, Kelly's getting in trouble. Yeah. He got real lucky in this one. Yeah, and, you know, three strikes, you're out, so. Yeah. Yep. Um, also, quick side note, going back to the Ernie stuff, he's in two more episodes, and I will leave it at that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to, I'll clip this, too, so we can put it with, like, when it, when it actually resolves itself, and I'm like, holy shit, he burned alive. Yeah. It's like making mental note of this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just mental note of that. Yeah, go ahead. So next up, we've got Casey, and this—I forgot that this happened in this episode. Yeah, this was this was a canon event for Casey. I forgot it was this one. Yeah. So Casey and Hallie are making out in his office because at first I was like, "Oh, they're at home," and then I was like, "Oh, nope, they're in the they're in his quarters." Oh, okay. what is up with the brazen hookups this week? Like Zanetti and Connor were about to do it in an elevator, and now they're just in quarters. Like, fuck this. Yeah. Yeah, I literally was like, oh, they're at home in Casey's house. And no, no, they're not. No. Okay. Nope. Um. So yeah, they're making out and there's a knock on the door and Hallie's sister and niece and nephew like stop by to go with her to the Thanksgiving parade. It's kind of a weird introduction. It's like, oh yeah, okay. Cool. And like Hallie's yep. sister asked about like Casey's mom and it's awkward. And it's just like, it's just weird re-watching it when she was like how's your mom i was like no she did not but also i could see how like seeing it for the first time you're just like why is that a weird question yeah yeah but now it's like oh that's awkward okay <laughs> so like hallie's gone and then hallie comes back and she's like sans sister and nephew niece and nephew and casey's like where'd they go and anyway so like hallie basically like casey convinces her to like stay for the meal because she's like just in time anyway again kind of random but this is where we get into the main part of it anyway so basically casey gets off her shift and he starts telling hallie the story of the baby that he delivered in the middle of this like multi-car pileup on the highway and then this canon event happens i want to have a baby i know no i soon now hard to watch again you know how they talk about a train wreck and say that like it's really bad to watch but it happens in slow motion and you can't help it yeah this i guess i've been thinking about it a lot like i guess i try to put myself in hallie's shoes and i don't understand personally and this is just me i don't understand personally like i get that you love him and like you want to be with him but like that is a fundamental difference that, like, you don't, like, Casey is obviously dying to have a baby. He wants kids. There is no denying that. Like, he wants kids. 
and she's not sure if he really wants them like she really wants them she only kind of maybe wants them because he wants them i don't know if i could be with someone like that they're like fundamentally you know isn't sure if they want kids like i don't know how i could be with someone like that yeah um like that's like not just like oh yeah like I like this car. You like that brand of car. Okay, like we're gonna have different brands. Of, like that's like not something you kind of just move on. Yeah, you can't compromise on that. No, and I don't want. I mean, obviously, we you know we all know how this storyline ends, but it's like Casey shouldn't have to feel like he's settling either. Like if Casey wants kids, then he should go have kids. And like Hallie shouldn't feel like she has to feel pressured just because Casey wants kids that she does. If she doesn't want kids, then she doesn't want kids either. Like that's fine. It's a big moment for them. And I mean, I think you see it on Matt's face, especially after she says that, where he just realizes, oh shit, we're going in two different directions. When they already had a breakup once. They did over kids. Yeah. I think Hallie. But but I, I think this. See, and I, I think what Matt said in this one, he's like, no, I mean, like, let's have a baby soon. He wasn't like, he wasn't setting himself up for it, but like he had to know the response wasn't going to be good because the the initial breakup was because Matt wanted kids and Hallie didn't want them right now. Right. But now she's like, I don't even know if I want them at all. I only kind of really, I only kind of want them because you want them. Maybe she's changed her mind. Which is not the reason to have kids. No. But changing her mind happens. No, yeah, you can definitely change your mind, but you shouldn't feel like if you don't want them, then that's fine. But you shouldn't want them only because your partner wants them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a big moment for them. So then the episode ends and like Casey shows up to have a drink with Gabby. And like, I'm kind of confused because like, I thought there were other people there. And then I was like, oh, no, it is just them. And, like, she asked if he's okay. And he's like, yeah. But I'm, like, obviously he's not to be believed because he's definitely not okay. Um, But, yeah. Every time they have one of these drink scenes, though, and I'm like, oh, Molly. Nope, we're not there yet. No, Molly. We're not there yet. Or or we're not even close, I don't think. At some point in season one. I don't remember when it starts, though. Mm-hmm. But we got a full season of fire for season one. We got a full 20 something. You got 24. Yeah, that's a big season. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Big. Yeah. Casey did a lot of growing up in the last like 10 minutes of that episode. Yeah, it went from like, oh, yeah, Casey and Allie making out. Okay. Th- okay. I was like, okay, where are we going with Casey? Oh, that's where we're going with this. Okay. Oh, he delivered a baby. Oh, oh, Hallie doesn't want kids. Ooh. Yeah. So I forgot about that being in this. I mean, I definitely did not remember that that happened in this episode. I knew that they kind of had a breakup soon because I remembered that the, like the Christmas episodes is like him and Kate Gabby going to that party or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's her family party. Yeah. And like, I kind of remember that being a thing. And then he gets back together with Hallie again. Like, I kind of remember. So, like, I knew that it was coming soon, but I didn't realize it was this. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. 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 When they got to the, like, the call, like, the accident call, I was like thinking into my head. I was like, oh my God. I was like, is this the one with the baby? And I was like, this is the one with the baby. Yeah. Chicago Fire episodes as friends titles. The one with the baby. 
The one with the baby. The one where Casey delivers the baby. So then we get Otis. Oh, Otis. I didn't realize that happened in this episode either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So everyone's hanging out watching the parade and Otis just goes, hey, everybody, I want to start a podcast. Pretty similar to how we started in 2017. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Herman's like, well, what's a podcast? And you kind of see how outdated the references are because he mentions iTunes. Yeah, he's like, oh, you uploaded to iTunes. No. 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 Now iTunes is one of the places you upload them, but there's many others. Yeah. Well, yeah. and like, the, that, I forgot that Otis, I mean, like, if you look at podcasting, like, 2012 was like, you were OG if you were in podcasting in 2012. What year did podcasts start? Oh, I don't know. I think they've been around for a while. I know I was listening to them, I want to say, like, 2015. Let's see. So I think it was my junior year of college when I started. Yeah, I mean, I started listening to them, like, right before we started. But, like, when did – why isn't the internet telling me? Interesting. Yeah, tw- yeah, 2012, you're, like, really getting in on the ground floor there. Yeah, so. that's, like – that's definitely, like, OG, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, of course, like, it's just crickets in the room. And so he's, like, lieutenant? And Casey's, like, do your thing. Like, yeah. Do what you want. Yeah. So Otis is like, I'm going to use Mouch for my first episode. And like, he's got the tiniest, cheapest little mic. It's yeah. such a cute little setup. And then he like, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to podcast. So Mouch does not know how to podcast. Mouch definitely doesn't. Otis is like, Otis is trying way too hard. Uh, yeah. I love how he like hits play and he's like, oh, look who walked in the room. It's yeah. Mouch. <laughs> and Mouch is just like, what? Huh? Yep. Yeah. I know. And- okay. Since we didn't really watch the pilot, I don't remember. Is this the first time we learn what Mouch stands for? Or did we learn it in the pilot? That is a great question. Because obviously we didn't, we haven't learned it in two, three, four, five, six. So I just can't remember if we learned it in the pilot or this is the first time we learned what Mouch stands for. I don't think we learned it in the pilot. I have to go back and read that outline. Yeah, that's trivia. Yeah. Oh my god, he's so funny. Do I press a button? Do I whisper? What do I do? Yeah. So funny. So funny. So they go have their day, you know, with the crazy call and it's Thanksgiving and everything and, you know, all of this good stuff. And Otis ends up delivering a monologue at the very end of the episode. You want to know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful because I have two families. And not too many people can say that. Back when we did our favorite scenes, this was like one of my top 10 favorite scenes. Like I, I just love this monologue. It's so sweet. I know. So good. I love it. It's so good. We have a redo our intro. I'm going to pull a clip from this moment because yeah. it's perfect. So perfect. Yeah. Otis and his podcast. Yeah. Oh, funny, 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 funny. And then we have Cruz. There, this is another one where there's so much happening. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Take it away. So yeah. So basically 61 and 81 get called out to this turf war. And I forgot that this happened either. I remember it now that when I watched it, I was like, oh yeah, they have that scene where they have to use the fire. Like I remember it once I watched it. I was like, 
Oh, yeah. It turns out, though, one of the victims who gets shot during the middle of this turf war, though, is Leon, Cruz's younger brother. And obviously, we did not know that up until this point. And it seems like a lot of other people didn't know because, like, when Cruz takes Leon and puts him in the um, truck, truck, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, this is my brother. Like, the look on Casey's face was like, you have a brother? Like, Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, so they take Leon to the hospital, and basically Cruz can't see Leon at the hospital because he's, like, still out of it. Um, So he calls him, like, once he wakes up, and, like, Cruz wants to be the one to pick Leon up after shift, and when he gets dismissed, and, like, Leon reluctantly agrees, because he doesn't want the, you know, lecture that he knows he's gonna get, but, you know, he lets, he says he's okay with Cruz picking him up, but, of course, Cruz shows up to pick up Leon, and Leon already checked himself out earlier with three other guys so leon's a little troublemaker in season one uh that is an understatement mm-hmm. yep that Big is troublemaker. an understatement don't forget the moment when cruz wants to name the bird leon because he's so mad yeah and then after like he's like no i'm good <laughs> yeah it's funny it's pretty funny i've never heard of that tradition of naming the turkey after like someone you hate is that an actual tradition I don't know. I yeah, I've never seen, I've never heard of it either. Yeah, me neither. That's weird. I don't know if I can name it after somebody I hate. Yeah. And then last up, we have Shay. Because there's 15 things happening in one episode. So Clarice, of all people, shows up to the firehouse completely unannounced to say thank you for you know taking care of her at the call and everything. And Shay is like, "Do you want to stick around?" Like you know, stay. We've it's Thanksgiving. We've got dinner and everything. And so Clarice accepts. And Gabby sees Clarice alone and drags her. Drags her. Fantastic. Ten out of ten execution. And delivery is mwah, chef's kiss. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. She's like, it's Thanksgiving. Why don't you go home and be with your husband? Yep. But actually though. Clarice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Shay comes out and she's like, where did Clarice go? And Gabby's like, she had to go. Like, she just said that, you know, to tell her, like, see you later. Well, after shift, Clarice shows up to Shay's place crying. And she's like, I don't love him. I can't do this anymore. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're getting into some bad stuff, too. Yep. It's a crazy episode. Lots happening in this one, too. Do you miss when P- when fire was like this, when there was like 15 things going on, or do you like the pacing we have now? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. It just depends. But at least, I think the thing that it doesn't bother me now is because like we still get some of that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, granted on maybe a lesser scale, but like you can definitely have still like three or four storylines going on at fire sometimes now. Yeah, true. So like it feels less like a, you know, if you ask me like, pd that we're getting ready to talk about do i miss that structure pd will like hell yeah i miss it a lot yeah. yeah there were a lot of moments in this episode of pd where i was laughing a lot and i was like i don't do that on pd now i haven't laughed at an episode of pd in like years yeah Crazy. no i miss this structure of pd all the time mm-hmm. yeah any other notes on fire no i mean good I, I like this episode and lots of lots of iconic stuff happening um yeah Yep, for sure, for sure. Also, I will say, as much as I did enjoy, like, the Voight intro storyline stuff on fire, I'm, like, glad that we're done with that, though. It was Same. nice to have, like, a Voight-less 
episode. Well, because he's so bad on like in those early episodes of Fire. No, I know. And like I enjoyed it. Like it's great storytelling, but like I was like, okay, I don't need this every week. I was like, I'm good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So all right. It's PD time. Let's stretch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a good, like classic vintage PD episode. This is a very good one. I forgot a lot of this, but it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very classic. This is another one where the details of the case were really heavy, though. So I definitely lost the case probably like 20 minutes in. And then I was like still at the end was like, ooh. Yeah. But yeah. So. Okay. So if you if you forgot what happened at the end of last week's episode, Justin showed up to Aaron's with blood on his hands. And so it picks up right where we left off basically is what's going on so aaron's like what the fuck like what bleeding and justin's like i got in a bar fight and Lindsay's like well what did you hit him with because like your knuckles aren't bleeding or anything and justin leaves before he can say anything else so the next morning the Birdwaters show up where this guy and his dog found a dead body by the water also like it's so funny to see when they like get out of the patrol car just how baby-faced kevin is such a baby face oh my god so baby so baby but yeah so uh there was a dead body in the water that's great so Voight meets with Gratishar because the body that they found is somebody Hank actually knows it's this guy named Frank Fattori he is a rival of another guy named Alessio so Alessio is associated with this guy Joe who recently got out of prison like Five minutes in and I'm already like, who? Huh? What? Yeah. So Gratishar is just the worst. Um, She, yeah, so Gratishar is the worst because she's basically just like, look, it's time for results, Hank. And like this episode makes it very clear that she has a vendetta against him. Yeah. Like she doesn't care what happens or what the facts prove. She just wants him gone. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. So... Voight goes to pay Alessio a visit at the social club and shares the news about Frank. I wonder what ever happened to the social club. Hank doesn't go there anymore. No. Has he even been in any relatively... I wonder, maybe once relatively recently? Maybe? It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been I wonder, a while. I wonder what happened. Like, I'm curious. It shut down? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, so Voight goes to the social club, pays Alessio a, vid- a visit, shares the news about Frank, and he's like, well, where's where's Catalano? Where's Joe? And he tells Alessio, he's like, look, your own survival depends on how you choose to answer this. Because he basically gives him a whole speech about, look, most of the stuff in the social club, like, I turn a blind eye to, but this one I can't. So, like, you've got to answer me. So... Voight goes to Catalano and Catalano is like, oh, by the way, he pulls the Uno reverse card and is like, so Justin was involved in this, by the way. And Hank's just like, what? Okay. Yep. Yep. Uno reverse card. So Hank then runs into Antonio on his way in, who just got dropped off by Diego and Laura. Oh, the days before she hated his guts. Yep. Goodness. I wonder whatever happened with her. Who knows where she's at? For some reason, I feel like she could have ended up on like Real Housewives of Chicago or something. I was going to say Real Housewives. I was going to say she moved to LA and became like a housewife. So 
I was literally just about to say that. So great minds think alike. Well, if we both had the same headcanon, that means it happened, right? It's just a matter of which city did she end up in. Probably LA. I could see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like Gabby and Antonio are trying to like do their work in the Caribbean and then like Real Housewives reruns pop up and Antonio's just like, ugh. (laughs) Did Diego and Ava move to LA? I mean, granted, they're now adults, so they can live, I guess, wherever they want to live, but. I think they both went to college in Chicago. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a really good question. And then, like, because we never knew what either of them wanted to do with their lives, right? So, like, does does Ava move out with, like, Antonio and Gabby and, like, do what they're doing? That's a good question. Do they just move somewhere completely different and just, like, we've had so much childhood trauma, like, we can't deal with this anymore? <laughs> we both got kidnapped, ask us anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. But I do, I like the headcanon that Laura's a real housewife. Yeah. Great. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah, Diego's still having nightmares. He's okay. And Antonio's just like, yeah, I think Laura and I think about it more than he does. Like, he's doing okay. Yeah. So, Aaron tells Void about Justin and Voight tries to call him. It goes to voicemail. And so Lindsay, Lindsay just says, like, okay, Jay and I are going to go check out this murder site. And Hank just goes, okay, why don't you and Jay do that? They look on their faces. They're like, okay. Why, why, why the passive aggression? But okay. Yeah. So they talk about it on their way there. Did you see the look on his face? Yeah, so? So? We haven't done anything. Don't I know it. Would you spit out whatever you're trying to spit out? Okay. Maybe this last month I don't like being the guy you used to get a rise out of your father figure. You wish I was using you. Oh, I'm serious. You have issues? You need to work them out. Work them out without me. I repeat, we haven't done anything. And if you want to keep it that way... Hey, that'd be great. All right. Perfect. Fantastic. You done? I was done long before this conversation started. Really? Then shut up. I did think that Jay, when she says, she's like, so we haven't done anything yet. And Jay's like, don't I know it? And it's just like, okay. Uh, Jay's sass in this episode is like on point. It's so good. Flirty Linstead is something I miss so, so much. But I do also like, you know, Jay's point is true. He's like, basically like, I don't like getting used just to make Voight mad. Like, I, you know, leave me out of it. If you want to, you know, you have your shoes with Voight. That's one thing. But like, leave me out of it. Yeah. Yep. I just thought it was funny. He's like, so we haven't done anything. Don't I know it? Don't I know it? Yeah. But uh, I feel like I just want to write down almost like every sassy J line there ever is as we keep going through. Because like season one and two, sassy J is like. We need to do a Linstead episode. We have, we really do need to do a Linstead episode. I hate to break it to you, but we've got time. I know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. No, we totally will. I was thinking. Like, as I was watching this episode and prepping for, like, this particular pod episode, like, talking about Tracy's exit and everything, I was just kind of thinking, I was like, you know, how do we get this back on our screens? Like, not this in terms of, like, Sophia and Jesse or Aaron and Jay, but, like, how do we get this sort of magic back into the show? Um, My brain, I was just kind of like, do we get new characters? Can that even be replicated? Like, is that something no, that I is even possible? No, I think it starts with writers. I think the reason that these there was a ma- certain magic in these early seasons that we talk about, and not again, not that the bad, not that like seasons five through ten are not good, 
Mm-hmm. But it's definitely different. And I think the reason you got this kind of magic is because of who the writers were. Yeah. That's that a it good was point. Derek and, you know, whatever. And that makes sense because you had the same sort of magic on fire. I mean, granted, Derek's been around for a lot longer. So obviously on fire, it is continued until basically, obviously, last season. But there's a reason. It has to do with the writers. And again, not saying that the current writers are bad. It's just different. Different voices. It's just different. different. It's just different. Yep. It's just different. So I think the only way to do it is like, yeah, eventually, sure. The writing was great, but sure, do Sophia Bush and Jesse's chemistry sell it even more? Of course it does. Well, yeah. But like, it starts with the writing and then the actors take that and obviously make it 10 times better. Right. Right. So, but if they don't have something to go off of, then you know yep good point so yep so linstead gets to the murder scene and aaron notices a pod like a be like camera pod and so she basically like bets him dinner or something that like the pod's gonna give them what they need like the purple pig or something like that yeah 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 um which i mean is that is that still a restaurant in chicago is that like no it definitely was i don't know if it's still Purple Pig Chicago. Let's see. We yes. used to have a place here called the Purple Cow, and it was like burgers and milkshakes. Yes, it is still open. Or it's still it's still there. Pig Chicago. What do they like have? Mediterranean restaurant. Ooh. That sounds good. James Beard Award winning. Okay, so no wonder Aaron was like, you're buying if I win this bet. because Yeah, it's like right on Michigan Ave. So it's like fancy, fancy. Sweet. So we've walked by it probably like 20 times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and not even paid attention. Nope. Yeah. That's another thing we need to like make a list of. Like the, the, like the one Chicago food tour of like all the food places they've mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so uh, Lindsay notices the pod. And meanwhile, we cut back over to the bullpen. Antonio goes to Voight and is like, look, I've found out a lot about Frank. He's got a lot of enemies. And so Antonio points out that like, hey, look, a lot of these guys like frequent the social club. And this is such an oh honey moment because like Antonio is not trying, he's not trying to like question Voight's motives or anything. It's legit, a legitimate question of like, have you talked to them at all? It's like a legitimate question. And He's like, and Hank's like, well, I talked to Jin and like Jin didn't, Jin dug some stuff up and he didn't find anything. And Antonio's like, yeah, well, Jin didn't tell me anything about that. And Hank just like deadpans him. And it's like, well, Jin does a lot of stuff for me that you don't know about. Yeah. Some of the, some of the lines exchanged between Antonio and Voight in this episode, like scare me to death. Cause I'm like, I cannot believe you just said that to him. Well, and even like. Voight says he's like so is there any confusion on your part about who runs intelligence and Antonio just says just trying to solve the case I would like run away screaming and crying like horrified I'd be like no there's no doubt I'm so sorry yeah so yeah. bad oh Antonio's got balls though like to do that and step up to your boss Only like that Antonio I mean Jay eventually in later seasons but like at this point only Antonio Maybe mm-hmm. Al, but Al would do it differently. It would be a different conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Voight goes to see Justin at work and he's not there. Justin has not been to work in three days. So Hank's like, Hank's pissed. Basically confirms what Hank needs to know. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So Ruzik convinces 
Al to explore some pawn shops because he thinks that the gun in this murder was dumped. And like it's the banter between them is just so funny. How Al's like, you do so much talking. I don't know when I have to listen. The banter is so good. Priceless. I I would love to get that back. Mm -hmm. Like that would be great. Yeah. So yeah, Ruzik convinces Al to do that. Lindsay and Jay, meanwhile, they can't get anything off the pods, but they do see that a construction site has cameras set up in the same area. And so that guy basically gives them the names of who to call. So Hank goes back to Gratishar. He looked into Alessio and he's like, yeah, Alessio had nothing to do with it. Like I looked into it. We're good. And so he's like, yeah, we're going to turn the files over to homicide. Like, cool. It's done on our part. We've done what we have to do. Gratishar is a little smarter than that. Just a little bit. A little bit. So she calls Antonio and we have this. We have had Sergeant Boyd working for us since he got pulled out of lockup. Stipulation to his release. Pretends to be dirty, helps us run down some heavy hitters. It's a win-win for everybody. Only he wasn't just playing dirty. He was dirty. Still is. We were the suckers. Or more specifically, I was the sucker. Hey, bite down with dogs. You have the same fleas crawling on you that I do, detective. Your whole unit. Did you know Aaron Lindsay is a former informant? Boy turned out at 14. You think she's not carrying water for him? He is building an army there, and it is only a matter of time before it implodes. Yikes. Antonio just eats it right out of her hand. But I think the thing is, too, is like, I think he knew deep down some of this already. Yeah. Like, I think he knew, obviously, he just, we we literally just talked, like, he worked the case with Casey and Boyd. Like, I think he already knew a lot of this deep down. Yeah, it's just that she kind of swayed him that, like, he's dangerous. Right. And then, obviously, his job could be in jeopardy if, you know, he still continues to work with Boyd. But I think, like I said, I think Antonio already knew that and, like, still made the decision to work with Boyd regardless. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think he made the decision because I part of him saw the good in Boyd. He just was like he didn't he wasn't one hundred percent convinced, but like well, he that's was, what I'm that's you know. what I'm saying is I think yeah. he like everything that she's saying about how like he's bad. I mean, I don't know if he knew about the deal specifically, but like you know, he knew a lot about you know that Boyd's dangerous and you know ways, but he also saw somewhere along the lines like the good in Boyd, and so like there's a reason he didn't end up leaving intelligence once Boyd was moved there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. Will you take it from here? Yeah. So Antonio shows back up at the bullpen and he's just like got a different attitude now. He like walks straight back in and basically names Alessio and Joe Catalano as suspects. I mean, he just like goes full force into this. Hank's face in this moment. Yeah. And then like Al knows that like something's going on. And so Al's like, so... And then Aaron's got to look and Jay's just like, what the fuck? I don't know. And like, it's just, yeah. So they assume though, because they do still have, even though they're waiting for the construction site footage, they do still have a pot, like very blurry, dark pod footage. So they assume that then like Catalano is one of the people dropping off the body. But then the question is, who's the driver? And like you said, Boyd is pissed, <laughs> but he does end up agreeing to let Antonio lead the investigation anyway. So what about that moment, though, when he's like, I'm going to see you in my office, and Antonio and Boyd just sit there and stare at each other for a good, like, 10 seconds? Yeah. I'd be, like, shitting myself. So, Aaron and Boyd are driving to go with everyone, basically goes to stake out this guy, Ross, who basically might be one of Catalano's next targets. 
And as Aaron and Voight are in the car, they talk about Justin. What is it? Justin was there. Where? He was the driver, Catalano told me. And if this other footage comes in, I stopped by the CTA. The supervisor told me he hadn't been there in weeks. He's slipping away on me. All right, don't bite my head off for asking. Just ask. Are you going to bury the case? I don't think I told you I was going to let that happen. Notice how Voight said, basically admitted that, like, he would bury this so far down deep into the ground if Antonio would let him. Because he basically, Aaron's like, well, I don't remember her exact wording, but he basically is like, I don't think Antonio is going to let me. Yeah. Not that he wouldn't, but he says, I don't think Antonio's going to let me. So if Antonio wasn't in the way, he obviously would bury the case. So. So, I mean, so did he view Antonio as like an obstacle he couldn't get past? Or was he letting Antonio kind of pull him in from the dark side? I think it's probably a little bit of both. Damn. I think it's, I mean, right? Like, I, I assume it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, that's big if so. I, you know, I spent this whole episode thinking it was kind of weird how Hank didn't confide in his team. Uh, I felt like that, I felt that way the first time I watched the episode too. I was like, all Hank had to do was be like, look, this is what's going on. Justin's in trouble. Help me. I had that point later on. Um, and I don't remember, I don't even remember where I was going to bring up. But I did think about that too, because I was like, literally, oh, it's when... Hold on a second. I'm getting ready. We're literally getting ready to get there in two seconds mm-hmm. and then I'll finish my comment. Mm-hmm. So basically, right as they're going to do pick up this potential target, of course, Catalano shows up with a gun. Voight chases after him and then lets him get away and tells him that like he lost everyone that they he lost Catalano. And of course he like let him go. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that moment too, when he's chasing, he's like, go, go, go. Yeah. I like brain farted for a second and I was like, wait, who was he telling to go? And then I was like, oh shit. Like he was telling Colorado, get away. Yeah. So this is where I was talking about. So basically they get back and of course Antonio is pissed because Antonio kind of sees right through Voight's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so they get back to the bullpen and then this Voight ends up playing the Diego card when he says like, when you needed this unit, it rallied around you. I rallied around you. And this is where I was like, but Voight doesn't say that he needs help. It's not that Antonio didn't rally around you. It's that you're not saying that you need people to rally around you. You're not letting people in. Yeah, exactly. How is Antonio supposed to know that you need help if you're not saying it? Right. Especially if you've only known each other for seven episodes. Right. And well, in a backdoor pilot. And a little bit of a backdoor pilot, yes. And Antonio trying to take him down earlier in the early season. But, but still, but still he doesn't taken. fully trust him. Point taken. But yeah. yeah, and like even Aaron, though, the thing is, is that like Aaron kind of has some inkling of maybe that Justin, you know, because of him showing up at her apartment and all that stuff. But even then, he like doesn't let Aaron in fully, like once he has an idea of like what's going on. Right. Um. So yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true that. Antonio did need their unit and they did rally around him, but Voight isn't saying, hey, I need you guys. Like, Justin, yeah, Justin fucked up. Justin's the one that, you know, was the driver. Okay, I need your help. He doesn't say that. Yeah. So. Which I think is just a function of intelligence being so new. I don't know if I don't know if Hank felt he could trust them yet. I feel like now he absolutely could, but then probably not. Well, and I think the thing is, too, is and you know, you kind of have to remember too, is like, and I literally am just thinking about this now, is like, 
give the context of the Antonio or uh, Voight relationship before. I mean, Voight in Fire in the beginning of Fire that we literally just covered. Uh-huh. Antonio is Voight is trying to take Casey down for the Justin stuff, and Antonio is trying to take Voight down. Uh-huh. So like, there's already a tense relationship between Antonio and Voight when it comes to Justin. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, a thousand percent. I didn't even think about that. I didn't either until I was, we were just talking about it. Like, their relationship was already tense over Justin. And mm-hmm. so maybe Voight thinks that if he tries to bring up the fact that it's Justin, that it's going to obviously, you know. Oh, like, I see what you're saying. But Voight never explicitly tells Antonio Justin's the driver. No, 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 no. But that's what I'm saying is maybe he doesn't because... Obviously, they already had their past issues over Justin, essentially, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. fire. Yeah. Mm. So. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, sorry. I'm definitely eating while we're potting, which is not a good thing to do, but still. Um. Yeah, okay. So you're saying that, like, if, if Hank had told Antonio, hey, it's Justin, Antonio was going to kind of be, like, prejudiced by what had happened before. Right, because he already saw Voight yeah. try to cover for his son once before. And got it. look how that ended up. Yeah, got it, got it. So a good parallel. I do think, though, that it's more likely that Voight just really wasn't trying to open up and he just wanted to deal with it himself. Mm-hmm. But there is the parallel there of, like, Antonio literally already saw Voight try to cover up for Justin once and like saw how that went down. Yeah. And so if he knew the truth, Antonio sure as hell wouldn't let him do it again. Yeah. He didn't <laughs> want him to do it the first time, let alone a second time. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Anyway. So the construction site video footage comes in and it confirms that Joe Driver was Justin. And Lindsay is basically like, it's not over. And. You know, he's like, he may answer your call, but he sure as hell is going to answer mine. And so they meet, and basically Justin's like, I'm so, he like, you know, he's very apologetic. He's like, I didn't know that that's what was going to happen. Like, I'm sorry. And he basically wants to run. And she's like, no, we're going to help each other. And then we get like a tiny little clip of Antonio talking to Al about Voight. Hey, oh, hey. So, you and Voight go all the way back. Yes, sir. And I know you think of Steve's. Well, I might have used a different analogy, but, you know. You're good police. The best you see I've ever seen. I don't want to see you tossed out when this hits the fan. Avoid's in too deep. You know, I've seen just about everything this city can shove in a cop. And the one thing I've learned, don't ever count on Foyt. That's your choice? Don't put me in a position where I have to make one. I just think it's especially interesting to look back, of obviously, of, like, where we came from in regards to Foyt, but also, like, where Al, you know, because like we always talk about obviously the Al and Boyd relationship, but it's like Al and Boyd have been like ride or dies truly since the beginning. Yeah. And I think it says a lot too, because Antonio basically is like to Al, he's like, you're basically the like the best under, you know, under the cover, you know, detective I've ever seen. Like, I really trust your opinion. So like, what do you think about Boyd? And I think that does a lot, says a lot about what Antonio now thinks about Boyd because he trusts Al. Uh, yeah, I think between Al's opinion and Platt's opinion, both of those are from two people that he really highly respects. And especially when yeah. Platt is like, Platt says something about Hank and she's like, nobody works harder. And then she even says to him, she's like, not even you. Yeah. And like, that's big coming from Trudy, especially since Antonio saved her life that one time. Yeah. So, you know, I think hearing it from those two does a for lot sure. for him. Yeah. 
So Voight goes to Catalano and Catalano is just assuming that basically like because Justin was involved that Voight is going to protect him as well. And like he plays the Justin card and he's like trying his best to get out of it. But it doesn't work out that well for him. Mm-mm. So Lindsay ends up bringing Justin to the district and has him talk to Antonio. And Voight is pissed. Ooh, he mad. He's mad. Big mad. And yeah, I mean, but Antonio basically just ends up telling Voight like what Gratishar told him. And he basically is just like, I, he does end up coming to Voight though. And he's like, I'm basically just going to let Justin go. Like Justin gets off so easily. Oh, so easily. So easily. I'm pretty sure the I didn't know defense doesn't work in real life. No. So Voight, though, I will say the Voight and Justin scene, like the hug, I was like, okay, that's, yeah. that pulled up my emotions just a little bit. Yeah. But then Voight takes Justin, you know, they're like in driving in the car and, you know, Voight is talking about, you know, Justin letting him down and, you know, that he thought things were going to be different and blah, blah, blah. And basically like Voight just drops Justin off at an army recruitment office. And he's like, I'll see you in four years. And Justin goes. And Justin goes. Because he knows that that's pretty much it at this point. That's his option. I will say, though, he says, I'll see you in four years. And I wanted to be like, no, you won't. Because Justin won't be alive in four years. Rhina! I mean, granted, they'll see each other before then anyway. But like. Ow. I know. Also. Baby Josh Sagara, like he's such a baby in these episodes. He's so baby. Such a baby. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and then we get a little so scene at Molly's. Wendy invites Al to have a drink with her and Ruzik, um, which is a very cute scene. Again, the banter is great. And so Wendy's like, so how's he doing in intelligence? She first of all, she can't remember what the fuck it's called. <laughs> and then she's like, you know, remembers it's called intelligence. And Al gives Ruzik, like, the biggest compliment. Al's like, you want the truth? He's like, I think he's better at it than I was. Maybe than I am. So. Yeah. That's hard of a time that Al gave Adam. Like, he's had such a soft spot for him. Yeah. I always kick myself because I feel like I didn't appreciate Al when we had him. I definitely didn't. And I definitely didn't appreciate this relationship as much while we had it. Yeah. Because, like, there's so many moments in just these seven episodes that I'm like, dang. Like, I definitely didn't appreciate the early days of the mentorship, for sure. No. Uh, yeah, I wish I had appreciated it more. Because that, that relationship was gold. Yeah. Um. So, basically, Catalana's body ends up being pulled out of the river. And Gratishar is there, like, with Voight. And, she's just, and he's just like, funny how justice works in this city sometimes. Huh? Oh, so by letting, yeah, by letting the guy go. Yeah, yeah, I see what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then it basically just ends. So, of course, Gratishar is pissed. And Antonio shows back up in her office and this. You don't know. You don't know what we do or what we sacrifice or the price we pay for this. For the job. You'll never know. Antonio lets her have it too. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, he's had a long-standing beef with her, as we find out. And yeah. And yep. yeah, that is this episode. Well, this the main part. There's still the Burgess, the Burgewater Platt stuff. Because this is back in the day when we actually got comedy storylines on PD of all shows. Mm-hmm. I would love to get a comedy story back. I would yeah. love that. I would love to just crack a smile during PD. Yeah. And not NPD ugly crying on the FaceTime. Yeah. That too much to ask? No. I, I guarantee you, if Tracy's last episode ends the way it very well should end, I will be ugly crying for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So yeah, Bergewater and Platt. Okay, so, and this is just like, do you ever stop and realize when you're watching these episodes, you're like, damn, Platt was so mean in the early seasons. So mean. Oh my God. He's such a bully. It It's really bad. Really bad. So everyone has to take photos for their new ID cards and Platt just plays big time favorites. She's just like taking them for whoever's ready. So like with the detectives and intelligence, she's like, the light's so good here. Like, let's take it this way. Do you want to redo that? Like, this is perfect. With the, the detectives, you know, she's great about it. With Bergewater, she's horrible. She's so mean. So she basically makes sure to take them before anybody's ready. So like Kevin was like in the middle of saying something and she snapped it. And then Kim like was smiling and then she stopped to be like, did you take it? And right when she said that, she snapped the picture. Oh yeah. my goodness. So just as Platt is about to take Kim's photo, Adam stops and Adam's like, hey, I need Kim for a second. So Adam's like, they go into like the stairwell and Adam's like, I didn't actually need you. I just thought you could use the out. Baby Burzik. The Burzik crumbs. The babies. This is definitely like, I think this is the episode when they first start to realize like, oh, we vibe. Like, this is the first time I would say... I know some people would probably find something from the first couple episodes that's like, oh no, that's a real crumb. But this to me is like the beginning. The very beginning. Yeah. Cause then yeah. like Adam slips Burgess, um, her parents information. He's like, I went snooping. I thought you could use this, but like, I will deny it if you like implicate me in any way. And she's just like, what? I didn't see you. I don't know. What Who this are is you? From. I don't know you. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They vibe. Yeah. So Kevin's trying to bribe her into retaking the photo. Kim's trying to, you know, convince her and everything. So she has the phone number and she uses it. And so Burgess confronts her at the end and is like, well, I thought we could use this in the newsletter. And it's childhood photos of Platt. Oh, my God. It's so funny. And she's just like, you're playing with fire. And Kim just goes, I brought plenty of water. So good. That's our girl. It's so good. That's our girl. And we cut to Platt retaking Kim and Kevin's photos. Perfect. Perfect. Funniest comedic plot on PD. Go. Uh, The taser. Yeah, the taser recertification had to be it, right? That's the first one that pops to my mind. I'm sure there's probably other good, I mean, obviously there's other good ones, but like, that's literally just the first one that comes to my mind. I feel like I know the fire ones better. Yeah, because fire has them all the time. PD yeah. were not allowed to laugh. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my wish list for the new season. I want to laugh again on PD. <laughs> it's never happening. And I want a sibling duo. We're out of siblings. I want a new sibling duo. Yeah. Are we? We're, I think we're just out of family, period. <laughs> <laughs> when you like, put it that 
why it sounds so bleak. Like siblings. Um, I, yeah, I just feel like we're at a family stuff, period. Come back. We miss you. The closest thing you've got is like Berzik raising Mac. Uh-huh. That's the closest thing you get. Yep. Yep. Any other notes on this episode? No, I like this episode a lot. Solid week. Solid yep. week. Yep. Med's a well, little, all... eh, but. Eh, you know. Yeah. You know. It's about all we've got for this week's episode. Um, there's a lot, but we did it. We did it. And we got through talking about Tracy leaving without crying. Go us. Go us. Yay. <laughs> The bar is really low and you're just like, did we cry this week? No, that's amazing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So as always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. We're everywhere. Please message us about anything. It's, you know, we're in the same boat as you. We're just kind of like, so there's no Chicago. Yeah. What do we do? And a lot of you are watching Dance of the Stars. I, I was I was very happy to see those messages, how a lot of people were like, yeah, keep it up with Dance of the Stars. We love it. So that's good. But yes, email us anytime about anything. Meet us at mollys at gmail.com. Follow us individually if you're not already. I'm at Gina Watches TV. Brenna? I'm at Brenna K13. So you're going to get a new episode next week. It's going to be one of those where like we're in the past when it happens. So uh, yeah, just keep your eyes peeled. It'll drop like normal. We'll just have recorded it earlier in the week. So if I, if the SAG strike ends... Oh my God, please do update while I'm gone. That would be great. I thought that was the week after. No, I leave a week from today. Oh, shit. Okay, mm-hmm. never mind. Yeah, yeah. I but after this trip, I'm never leaving the state of Texas again. Like, I'm tired. Okay. I'm tired. Anyway, um, yeah, so normal schedule. And yeah, otherwise we are around. So everybody have a great weekend. Happy Halloween, by the way. Uh, Yeah, and we'll see you next week. Bye.